Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. <coughs> He's did, back. Did you miss me when I was away? Did you hang my picture on your wall? Did you miss me every single day? Well, did you, Catherine? Um, uh, yes. Is that, is that the answer you were looking for? Yeah. How rude. How rude. Morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. A few days off, I'm back revitalised, re-energised and re-something-else-adised, which is good news for everybody uh, concerned, I suppose. Lots coming up on the show this morning. As always, keen to get your say, and there's a few things here that uh, I think you might be interested in. Europe says that prisoners should be able to vote. The British government says, oh, no, no. Well, what do you think? Should prisoners be allowed to vote? Hey, when was the last time you went to your local pub? Some of them in Milton Keynes are losing money and could shut. Well, if your local pub closed, would you miss it? Really? And you know when you go to the toilet, well, you, you do, I'm guessing most of you would consider that a daily activity. Well, do you wash your hands afterwards? No, I know, I know. I, I don't. And I'm not dead yet. I think all this hygiene stuff, we've got to clean your hands when you, you go to the loo, it's all just a myth. It's all nonsense. If it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. A few germs aren't going to hurt you. Well, I'll be talking to a hygiene expert later on who strongly disagrees, and I believe I'm going to be doing some tests to see how dirty my hands are. Do you wash your hands when you go to the loo, people of beds, hearts and bucks? These are the big questions. Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text... 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, back in the early days of Milton Keynes, a community was created from scratch. I kind of remember the early days, because not the really early days, I'm not that old. But my, my family lived in Milton Keynes, I moved there quite early. Uh, and so I remember... Do you remember the doors in Milton Keynes? You, this is the thing I remember about Milton Keynes in the 70s, OK? Was all of the houses, the front doors and the internal doors, had really weird handles. Do you remember? They were like kind of rectangular... They're very 70s and 60s in the design. They were rectangular handles which you would hold and then you, there was a button you would push with your thumb and that would open the door. I used to hate those doors. Do you still get those? Anyway, when the communities were created, you had a local centre, some shops, a place for community groups and a boozer. But now plans have been discussed to sell the land that those old estate pubs are on, as they're not making money and could be better used. That's according to the charity which owns the land. Well, one of the pubs, the Suffolk Punch and Healands, could even be knocked down and rebuilt as a care home. Well, our reporter, Tony Fisher, jumped at the chance to do a report on pubs. He went to the estate to ask people what they thought. It's like anywhere, it's pretty quiet in the week now, isn't it? Especially Mondays, isn't it? I wouldn't mind saving the place, but we see. How important is this pub for you, Bessie? How much of a key part of your... It's always best to have a logo, isn't it? One you can rely on. Where will you go if it's no longer here? Down the village, maybe. There's two pubs down there. All these, um... What's them bars that are opening up, they? Like in the city centre. Mm. And that's what's putting these, these are out of business because they're all 
all in one place, aren't they? This is... Um, it's a bit out of the way. Something's a bit out of the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. So, no, really, and then there's restaurants there flogging beer as well and all that sort of stuff, aren't they? So, yeah, it is a shame, but uh, they can't modernise, can they? We don't really need pubs, do we? Really, you don't need them. They're up the city, keep them there, off the estates and up the city. Do you think they bring trouble, then? Yeah. Oh, that one does, don't it? There's been stabbings and everything up there. So it's not the best pub? No. Close it down, put the houses up, is what I say. We need houses, don't we? We need houses, you don't Residential need homes. Definitely, yep. Yeah. You need it. With accounts, bedroom tax and everything, you need more one-bedroom properties. Yeah. That's what we need. We don't need a houses. pub. You move, basically, because of that pub? Because of the pub, yeah. Just due to the noise and the constantly having police at my door. Did I witness? Did I witness? Sex up against my gate. Bottle, beer, beer glasses left out so that if my daughter ran out the back, she would have she would have clearly got hurt if they were smashed. Uh, lo- just loads of stuff. I've moved generally because of the pub. That was it. It was a nice house as well, yeah. Well, I so, wouldn't like to see it closed, but, and I don't want to see more houses put up there, but... Um, but it's lunchtime on a Monday. I went there just a few minutes ago. There's one yeah. person in there. Really? It looks very run down of late. So um, I think it could probably do with a bit of a makeover if it was to stay open. But I really don't have an opinion because I'm not a customer there. The Suffolk Punch, they think you're closing yeah, it down. Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, not a bad thing. Well, when was the last time you went to your pub? 08459 455 555. I'm joined now by political reporter Paul Scoins. Paul, in regard to these uh, pubs in Milton Keynes, why is this happening? Well, Ian, um, it, it's down to money, and, and it's a charitable trust, the Parks Trust, which owns the land, and they own, I think it's up to eight of the uh, of the sort of old estate pubs in, in Melton Keys. And as you said at the start, these pubs were created to uh, foster a community in the early days of Milton Keynes, sort of the late 70s in some of the uh, uh, instances. Uh, the Suffolk isn't as old as that. It's only about 20-odd years old. Um, and they did play a role. They, they were a place for people who didn't know one another in those days to meet. Um, but as uh, the Trust have said to me in the last few days, they, they are, are not a, uh, a sort of a, a there to provide a drinking den or, or a charity shop or any other sort of uh, facility. They say that um, they've got a legal obligation to maximise the most of their income and, um, and this is a way of doing it and they're considering, as you, as you said, maybe turning it into a, uh, a, a care home or house was proposed as well. There was a meeting last week, uh, a well-attended meeting, and it apparently got quite boisterous. Uh, lots of people sticking up for the pub and saying that it had a place in, in the community. Um, however, the Parks Trust say that well, they've got to fund uh, the uh, the upkeep of the parks and the open spaces in Milton Keynes to the tune of £6 million a year. And at the moment, they say they could make better money from the pub if they were to potentially sell it on. Is this an ongoing, on, uh, growing trend, Paul? I think it is. I mean, the camera, the campaign for Real Ales say nationally there are uh, around 26 pubs closing a week. That's an increase just on last year of 50%. And uh, and just to put it into some context, there are 213 million fewer pints consumed in British pubs just in the last 12 months. And reasons for that, I suppose, include, as those people in the report said, drinking at home, uh, city centre pubs in Milton Keynes especially as well. But uh, I think for lots of people, and some of the people I've spoken to, and, and you'll be hearing from them later on, the, the idea that these pubs, which were 
you know, a fundamental aspect of the estate community when Milton Keynes was created, to see those go, even though, you know, let's be honest, some of them look a little bit worse for wear, including the Suffolk, uh, they will have a sort of tinge of, of regret for some people because they were there in the early days. Final question, Paul. When was the last time you went to a pub, a proper pub? Uh, it was last night, Ian. Thanks very much. <laughs> Do you know what? He's on a course. It probably was last night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. You've got to love a bit of Glen Campbell. You've got to love a bit of Glen. If you don't like Glen Campbell, you have no soul. I'm trying to think of a more mournful song than Wichita Lineman. I don't think one exists. My heart couldn't take it. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, thanks, uh, by the way, to Justin Daly for doing a, a, an adequate job over the last few days. He really did barely hold this ship together. When was the last time you, dear listener, went to the boozer? 08459 455 555. There are some in Milton Keynes that are probably going to close down. Uh, <laughs> pubs are, are, are quite an old-fashioned concept, aren't they? The drink, listen, I don't drink, and I went to, when did I ask going to a pub? It was about a month ago in London with my mum, and we, we found an old-fashioned boozer because I knew she'd like it, but it was more like going to a museum than going to a, a social place. People don't, they're so expensive in there. They've got TVs on all the time. The telly's always on in a pub. Why would you want that? You might as well sit at home with a can of, of tenants. It's cheaper. When was the last time you went to a pub? A new website which ranks areas of England according to premature death rates has identified that people in Luton have a greater chance of dying early. The town has come 108th out of 150 authorities for having the worst early death rate in England. Whoop-de-doo, huh? There's something to celebrate. The figures have been published by Public Health England, which uses a traffic light system to show the number of people dying under the age of 75. Well, our reporter, Sophie Soleri, has been looking at the figures. What do these figures show, Sophie? Well, Ian, apart from the local breakdown for us, what these results show is a clear north-south divide in the statistics. They show the number of people under the age of 75 who died over a two-year period from heart disease and stroke, cancer, liver disease and lung disease. The Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has described it as a shocking variation. Professor John Newton, who's the Chief Knowledge Officer at the Public Health England, said it was, an, it, it was urgent that somebody something is done about the health inequalities in England. And it's not just a north-south divide divide. These figures also suggest there's a divide within our three counties as well, in Begg's Hearts and Bucks. I wish my title was Chief Knowledge Officer. That sounds like a great job. What is the divide? Well, we have six local authority areas here, and it may not come as a surprise that in Buckinghamshire, they have one of the lowest premature death rates in England, with a county council area coming in at 13th out of 150 authorities in England, which Mm. is very good. Hertfordshire is only 21st. Central Bedfordshire is 33rd, so quite low. Milton scores better than average at 64 out of 150 but the pitch isn't looking great for bedfordshire borough council its score for premature death is worse than average with its area rating of 77th out of 150 but i think the more worrying figure for us in our area is luton it's 108th out of 150 local authorities for premature death and its ranking for heart disease and stroke is even worse it's 118th out of 150 Move out of Luton, I guess, if you want to live longer. It doesn't work like that. What's being done about this? A new campaign's being launched today. It's called Longer Lives. 
it will group areas with similar levels of deprivation so that local area authorities can see how they are doing compared with other of a similar social economic status. Professor Kevin Finton from the Public Health England says he hopes the site will spark a national debate on tackling premature deaths rather than worry about those living in areas giving a red light rating i would imagine these these things these kind of surveys and these these league tables about death rates and things like that they can be a little bit it's easy to get excited about them i I would imagine not everyone is welcoming these no they're not a spokesman for the local government association says some caution must be used with this data councillor zoe patrick says the longer lives tool will help them identify local priorities but figures must be used in context because league tables can be dangerous can dangerously oversimplify matters she says they need to work with their partners at the nhs NHS, Public Health England and central government to address a whole range of inequalities and issues in order to help everyone lead healthier lives. It's money, isn't it? It's money. Bucks is doing well because Bucks is, is comparatively wealthy for the, the majority of the Bucks. Uh, it does it, seem that way. Uh, and if you if you have money, you eat healthier, you leave, lead a healthier lifestyle, and if you're perhaps not quite so well off financially, you eat KFC. Not to say that KFC is bad for you, but well, or maybe but, Burger King. You, exactly, or any number of places that, that, that are not litigious <laughs> at all. Uh, but it is, isn't it? It's down to diets and, and, and lifestyle. They should and hire like. you. They should they should hire me. Look at me. I'm, I'm a svelte. I'm a svelte young man. Just going on to the subject of boozers. Sophie Solaria, you're uh, you're a young lady, very tanned. I've noticed today. Thank Congratulations you, yeah. on, on your new tan. <laughs> do I do I look browner than, than Justin Dealey? No, don't be stupid. No, well, you, he, he looks more orange than he's than more streaky. Where, when was the last time you went to a pub? To a proper pub? Can't remember. I can't remember. I avoid them. What? Uh, why do you avoid them? Because it's not really me, is it? I'm more of a wine bar person. Wow. I, I, I don't think people go to pubs anymore. They're very expensive. What's a what's a pint of beer these really? days? Really, I thought they were cheaper than your average wine bar. Well, but a, a, a pint in a pub is much more expensive than a can of lager from Tesco or, or Sainsbury's oh, yeah. or something, well, isn't it? Of course, yeah. I well, mean, how much is it? I haven't, I haven't uh, had a drink for nine years. How much is a, a pint these days? One pound eighty-five. Uh, you're asking the wrong person. Two pounds, I like don't that. know. Two pounds. Can someone give me a call? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. How much does a pint of beer cost these days? And I'll buy each and every one. I won't buy anybody any beer at all. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Paloma Faith, for everything you've done for us. She's a very attractive lady. Very big gums. Have you noticed, Paloma Faith? You've got to have faith in those gums. They're huge. Huge. Uh, so, uh, I don't wash my hands after going to the loo. I do sometimes. I've been in the hospital a little bit the last few days visiting someone, and, and I, of course, washed my hands whenever there was a nurse looking at me. Uh, but generally, if I'm just going to the loo, I don't wash my hands. The reason being, I don't wee on my hands and my winky is clean. So, you, wh- what's the problem? I'm not dead yet. Well, we put that on Facebook. You can have your say uh, either by giving us a call or by going to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Terry says, Yuck, he might not be dead, but what a mucky pup spreading his germs. Next, he'll be telling us he hardly washes his teeth. Oh, hang on. Hey, steady on. I brush my teeth once a day, sometimes once every other day. I have no fillings. How many fillings you got, Terry? And uh, someone's texted in. Uh, Rehand washing. Ian, I'm horrified to hear you don't wash your hands after using the toilet. If we meet, I'm afraid I won't be shaking your hand. Sorry, but that's really grim. My wife is an infection control nurse and is horrified too. From shocked Jez in High Wycombe. Well, I... I Jez, please. Adam Glynn, before you give us the latest on the roads and the trains and what... I, I don't really know what you do, to be honest. I go and listen to another station when you're on. Don't take right. it personally. No, but... Oh, do you wash your hands after going to the loo? I do. Why? Because it's 
clean. It's a good thing to do. It's good practice to make sure that you don't spread, you know, nasty things. You're such a swat, Glyn. Just because you you're don't s- think you're such your a swat, are getting dirty. Just because you don't think. What about splashback? He he dropped the S bomb. He dropped the S bomb before six thirty on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Adam, let's let's see what's happening on the roads, please. All right, Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Later this morning, the Lions play the combined Queensland New South Wales country in in uh, a game that they should win comfortably. Yeah. Although now I've said that, they might not. Natural latest news and sport. More from me at seven o'clock. A little bit of a stumble there. Be hesitation. Be repetition. Be another radio station. Are you finished? Yeah. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee. I'm a little bit hyper. It's the first day back at term, isn't it? I've had four days off, so I'm a little bit... Don't worry, about quarter past seven, I'll be back to my usual sanguine self. So, uh, get ready for that. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, prisoners. Europe wants them to have the vote. David Cameron doesn't. Well, what do you think? Is there anything wrong with prisoners having the vote. Isn't it part of their rehabilitation to feel part of society? 08459 455 555. I don't wash my hands after going to the loo. And let's be honest, I'm guessing that most men don't. I suspect quite a few women as well. I know that, without going into detail, the lavatorial experience is different for different genders. But, be honest, most of you don't wash your hands after going to the loo, do you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and some pubs in Milton Keynes may well be closing down. When was the last time you went to the pub? I was asking Sophie earlier. How much does a pint cost? Well, Jill says a pint of Foster's is three three pounds forty. Flippin' heck. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Exclamation! 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 changes are being made not just to this show but also possibly to the exams that your kids are taking have you heard this they want to change the way that kids sit exams i was the second year to um uh do gcse so we kind of had it quite easy first year was quite tough to say this is a really tough exam they made it too tough second year they lowered the standards a bit so we all got quite good marks, considering our lack of knowledge. Well, new look GCSEs for schools in England are set to be announced by the Education Secretary. From 2015, most subjects will move from continual assessment and coursework to exams at the end of two years. It's thought that the current grading system, from A star to G, will also be replaced with a numerical one. Yeah, let's, let's change the uh, universally accepted uh, system of giving letters to denote how well someone's done. Let's change it to numbers, where eight is the highest and one is the lowest. Well, Luke Walton is the BBC's education correspondent. The government also says that the Education Secretary, Michael Gove, that he wants more demanding content and questions in some of the core academic subjects. So, for example, when it comes to maths and science, he wants more problem-solving. In English and history, he wants longer essays. In foreign languages, he wants more direct translation, more, more grammar. So he says that the challenge, the stretch, if you like, the academic stretch, will be greater. 
Well, this is the latest stage in the Education Secretary's drive to reform the exam system. Last year he announced, and and then later on dropped, plans to replace GCSEs with English baccalaureate certificates. Kind of like the old A-level. Well, these new plans are being set out today in two reports. The exam regulator, Ofqual, will explain how the exams will be structured and ministers will give details of the specific course content. Tom Burkhardt is Professor of Education at the University of Derby. He's in favour of the changes and says he's not impressed with the current GCSE system. The coursework, I think, is probably the most corrupt you know, element of the existing system. At a guess, I would say that probably less than 10% of the coursework submitted is you know, completely the work of the people submitting it. In my opinion, the argument that you know, some pupils just simply don't perform well under exam conditions is uh, something of a red herring. If you wanted to go to a surgeon who failed their exams, I don't think you'd feel very reassured if that surgeon had simply qualified by doing a bit of coursework at home, perhaps with the assistance of mummy and daddy. Well, critics fear the proposals are being introduced too fast and could penalise less academic pupils. Ron Munson is head of Taverham High School in Norwich. He said he, he says he's fed up with all the changes that he's decided to take an early retirement. Just recently, I've been having to put into place reforms and changes that I cannot see are, are useful for the pupils and their education. And there comes a time when you've got to say, what's more important, your own sanity and the ability to really back Um, reforms or be honest and say these are not working and I cannot be part of this education system Um, and that's one of the main reasons I've decided to go ahead. Well Wales and Northern Ireland are keeping GCSEs and are so far not adopting the changes proposed for England. The plans for reforming GCSEs in England will be put out for consultation over the summer. Exam boards will then start preparing courses that can be taught in schools from autumn 2015. Well later on, oh he's not coming on is he? Is Lawler on? Got Graham Lawler coming on. He claims to be a math teacher. He's not. He's a wind-up merchant. Every time he comes on, he does my head in with his, in inverted commas, maths problems. He's a good sport, though. He'll, no doubt he'll set us some nonsense that we'll have to struggle with. Uh, he'll definitely have views on this as well, so you'll want to hear that. Uh, and as, uh, some GCSE students are going to be sitting their maths papers today. Is that right? Oh, dear. I'm so glad. I'm an old man now. And the chances of me ever having to sit down in a hall and do an exam over a period of an hour and a half or two and a quarter hours or whatever it is, that's probably never going to happen again, which is wonderful. It's my recurring nightmare is I've got an exam coming up and I haven't revised for it. Anyway, if you are doing an exam today, good luck. You're probably wondering why is everything changing now? Uh, And also... Some of the people working here at BBC Three Counties Radio are going to be sitting a maths GCSE. Ha, ha, ha. They asked me to do it. I said, no. No. I don't need to. I got a C in my GCSE maths. That means I can get a job pretty much anywhere, even as an astronaut, if I so require. You can. That's all you need is a C. I think I got a C. I was predicted a B. I got a C. I'm happy with that. It's funny, isn't it? When you're doing your GCSEs, they're the most important thing in the world. The most important... Trust me, uh, they don't really mean much. They don't, re- they don't mean a lot in the real world. They're a, a key to a doorway to uh, a brighter future. But once you've stepped through that doorway, you don't look back. I don't remember what GCSEs I got. I don't remember what A-levels I got. I do. They weren't very good. Don't, really, don't, don't get stressed too much. Uh, quick look at the front pages. The Independent... Um, sold down the river, how Thames water dilutes its tax liability via the Caribbean? What? UK's biggest water firm made profits of £549 million last year, used a Cayman Islands funding vehicle, and paid no corporation tax. Thames water? 
those dodge pots that charged th- they came out to my house one day when i when i lived in london and said oh you've got a leak in your front garden you've got a leaky pipe in your front garden okay will you fix that well no it's in your front garden you need to get it fixed and if you don't get it fixed we can fine you 500 pounds Oh, right. Thanks, Thameswater. Thanks very much for that. Well, by the way, when I give you that 500 quid, why don't you go and put it in the Cayman Islands? The Times. Fakes fraud and forgery and bank selling scandal. Customers were caught up in... Oh, boring. What's more exciting is there is a picture of a German uh, bomber being pulled out of uh, the English Channel. Um, and it will be displayed in the RAF Museum. That's more like it, isn't it? The Queen has got finally gone to visit... Um, Duke, Duke, what's his name? Duke Philip. King Philip, what's his name? Duke of Edinburgh. Philip. He's a 93-year-old bloke, right? He's having stomach surgery. Some say it may be cancerous. I don't know. No one went to visit him for days. Imagine your granddad's in hospital, right? You go and visit him. Your husband. Your dad is in hospital. Of course you go and visit him. They had a big falling out with him a bit. Has he not been racist enough for them recently? What's going on? Anyway, the Queen finally went to visit him for a whole 30 minutes. Well done, Your Majesty. The Queen wore a smile that suggested the Duke of Edinburgh is on the mend after wishing him a happy 92nd birthday. I thought he was 93. Uh, Her Majesty took her husband a birthday card. Addressed to HRH the Duke of Edinburgh. She addresses birthday cards HRH the Duke of Edinburgh. But Phil, Big Phil, P, Mr P. As he continues to recover from surgery, she left her after a 35-minute visit, looking relaxed and happy with the Duke's progress. Buckingham Palace said the Duke was progressing according to plans at this early stage and is comfortable and in good spirits. I bet he's not having to spend six quid a day to get his TV working. I bet he's not having to spend 99 pence per minute to make phone calls outside of the building. Ah, you've got to laugh, haven't you? Right, we'll have a look at the rest of the papers in a bit. Let's get the travel news now. Now, I don't wash my hands when I have a wee-wee, or indeed a number two, unless, unless there's an accident. Do you? Did... <laughs> Sorry, I made myself laugh with my own childish vulgarity. Do you? There's no point in washing your hands, is there? I'm not dead yet. I've not got diseases. Well, we're going to speak to someone, an expert, who's going to tell me just how naughty I am. Elizabeth? Yes? Do you wash your hands when, after you've Ian? been... Yes, hello? Oh, not Justin. Uh, no, no, I'm back. What's, <laughs> what's the problem? I know. Yeah. Is there a problem? No, it's no problem. It's okay. Nice to have you back. Okay, it's no, it's, it would be nice to have one of the other weather ladies. But never mind. <laughs> uh, do you wash your hands after going to the bathroom? Of course I do. Y- why? Disgusting. Why? <laughs> why? Because because they have loads of little germs on them. You, you can't see them, so they can't hurt you. <laughs> Elizabeth, let's find out what's happening with the weather, please. Well, the weather. She wanted just. Oh, my mic's still on. She wanted just. <laughs> That's the forecast. Oh, I hope I get some water in my little patch. That's the uh, new song from BBC Introducing. It's not, it's Texas. And boy, have we missed those guys. It's great to have them back on the music scene. Thanks, Charlene. And the others. Now, listen, here's the thing. You go to the loo, you do whatever you need to do. Let's not get medical. There's no need for vulgarity on this show. It's very highbrow since I've taken over. Then do you wash your hands? I don't. And I'm not dead. 
Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, joins me now. Good morning, Justin. Ian, you're a sick man. Sorry? You're a sick, sick man. What on earth are you talking about? Don't wash your hands. Nice to see you back, by the way. I see this, uh, you've brought the quality back with you. First day back. Do men wash their hands after going to the toilet? Yeah. <coughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I heard, uh, 15 minutes of yesterday's mm, show. You had yeah. some drunk men shouting <laughs> out a Coldplay song. So... Yes. Don't yes. knock me for quality, okay. Dealey. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Yes, yes, I bet you do. Now, so you're saying you wash your hands after going to the bathroom? Every single time. I'm a clean man. I'm a gent. <laughs> OK, right, that's what you say. So, yeah. uh, you've been speaking to people this morning. I bet most of them are on my side. Uh, yeah, I have to say they are. Yep. Um, I've been asking men about this. Now, some of this content is, is rather X-rated, yep. so just to warn our listeners, but I have been asking men if they wash their hands after going to the loo, and this is what they've had to say. No, not every time. Depends whether I get my fingers wet or not. <laughs> Oh, that is filthy, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's true. <laughs> if, if, if they're wet, I wash my hands. If they're not, I don't. Most of the time, yes, but I have to say there are occasions when I do not. Well, occasionally, but it depends how... Well, my member is really quite clean, so... And my hands are usually quite clean. So, as far as my member is concerned... Yeah. He's quite clean. I'm quite clean. End of story. But occasionally I will have to. Why don't you wash your hands? Because I'm a great believer in my body will function and combat all the things that I'm putting in me. I haven't got time to be washing my hands. I'm not a freeloader like you. I'm working for a living. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, most times, yeah. Most times? Well, 90% of You see, Justin, most pe- Listen, mm. I agree with that chap. I don't wee on my hands and my winky is clean. <laughs> so what's, what, what's the point? Yes, uh, lo- lots of men out there who are also filthy. Uh, free-spirited men uh, across beds, hearts and bucks, clearly. <laughs> That's the title of your autobiography, I believe. Free-spirited men, the Justin Dealey story. Well, I'm uh, joined now by Sophie Solaria. Sophie, you went to meet uh, the lady I'll be speaking to a bit later on, uh, who's a, a health expert who's written about men washing their hands, hasn't she? she? Oh. Yeah, turn me on. Yeah, she, thinks, she thinks you're disgusting. Well, she's, she's obviously got no idea. Well, why am I disgusting? Well, because it's basically really dirty, isn't it? You're okay. spreading your bacteria everywhere, left right and centre and we're going to be checking your paw print so she's made this um this this powder i'll show you it's in this oh, bag yes. yeah it's a uv powder and essentially oh, yeah. you put it on your hands yeah. and you wherever you go we can follow you listen have a listen okay i'm dr lisa rackley i'm an environmental health practitioner and also the managing director of hygiene audit systems and we're sitting in my office now my presenter ian lee he doesn't wash his hands very often, no. so he's a bit dirty, a bit grubby. <laughs> and uh, you think this is a particularly bad thing? I do. One of the problems is that your hands are actually um, a, a sort of motorway, really, for bacteria. So if you don't wash your hands, you're transferring whatever happens to be on, the, on your hands. For example, if you've been to the toilet, there could be all sorts of bacteria and viruses on your hand, and you're transferring them onto other surfaces or onto food. Or if you shake someone's hand, then you're actually transferring your bacteria onto another person. Right, what I've got here is, um, is some powder which glows in the dark um, under ultraviolet light and otherwise it's fairly invisible. And I use this for training to simulate the germs really on people's hands. So basically I put this powder on someone's hands and then I, I, I just let them wander about and do their own thing and uh, see where they've actually deposited the powder. So that gives us an idea of where bacteria could be put. So using the ultraviolet light, then we can sort of almost spy on where somebody's been. Okay, so what do I have to do to Ian? (laughs) Okay, right. Well, I'm going to put some on your hand. Now look what happens when I put the light on. You can see that sort of bluey glow, and it's already gone onto parts of your hand where I hadn't actually put the powder, so little specks. Um, Rub your hands together. Oh, it's... 
And it's going to be, I think I gave you rather a lot actually. (laughs) And also going between your fingers and round your thumbs. So it's almost as if you're washing your hands actually. Okay, so now I have powdery white hands. Right. Now let's go round and you can touch things and we'll see where you've deposited the the powder. Okay, would you like to open the door for me? Right, let's have a look at the door. My goodness, my mucky paw has been all over your your hand door. You're going to have to clean up after me. I will. So here's your post. Yeah. Let's go over some of that. Yeah. I'm going to use your franking machine now. Okay. So we've actually got the number four and seven. It's now completely covered in my bacteria. Let's go in your kitchen. (laughs) Uh oh. Stop that. Let's have a look, see. Yeah. We've got the powder on the microwave on the handle. So let's say you've been to the loo and you haven't washed your hands and you touch the microwave, then you'd be putting those bacteria from from your bottom, basically. Okay, well, I'm not going to be touching. That was Sophie talking to our expert, who's coming on a bit later on. She is. You've got this powder. We've got about 20 seconds. Let's do it. So this is going to be able to tell every, tell her so, where I've been. Yeah, so I've put some on, on the centre of your hand. Rub it around as if it's soap. Okay, go okay. On. So rubbing round, it... On, round the back. Okay, yeah. That's it, there yeah. Let's put a bit more on your little... Put some there, more there we on go. There, right. right, go baby. do your thing. Well, what, what thing am I going to do? Well, whatever you've got to do, you know. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to press the button now. We're going to speak to Adam and find out what's happening on the roads and the trains. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you uh, for listening, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Isn't it funny? You have a few days off work. And your whole body and mindset goes completely off kilter. Couldn't get to sleep last night. Couldn't get to sleep at all. Great difficulty waking up at four o'clock this morning. And I can barely remember how to do this radio show. But we'll stagger through it. And by the way, thanks to everyone who posted on Facebook um, that they preferred it when Justin Dealey did the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the support there. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including Europe wants prisoners to have the vote... The government says no. Well, what do you think? Should prisoners be allowed to vote? Isn't it sensible to incorporate them back into society? 08459 455 555. Some pubs in Milton Keynes are losing money and could shut. When was the last time you went to your local pub? And if it closed, would you really miss it? And I'll be speaking to a hygiene expert who thinks that every person should wash their hands after going to the toilet. Well, come on. I think it's a waste of time and water. There are more important things to worry about. Should you wash your hands after going to the loo, beds, hearts and bucks? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on, please. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. When was the last time you went to a pub? More specifically, your local pub. Recently? Do give me a call, let me know. Can we find... Um, d- 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 I- I'm interested to know if local pubs are still being used. Well, Milton Keynes is facing the closure of some of its pubs. Back in the early days of Milton Keynes, of course, a community was created from scratch. You had a local centre, some shops, little community centre, and a boozer. But now plans have been discussed to sell the land those old estate pubs are on. One of the casualties is the Suffolk Punch in Heelands, which has been running for 21 years. These locals want it to stay. 
<laughs> but it's like anywhere, it's pretty quiet in the week now, isn't it? Especially Mondays and that. I wouldn't mind saving the place, but we see. How important is this pub for you, basically? How much of a key part it's, of your... It's always best to have a logo, isn't it? One you can rely on. Where will you go if it's no longer here? Down the village, maybe. There's two pubs down there. All these, um... What's them bars that are opening up, mate? Like in the city centre. Mm. That's what's put in these big... These are out of business. So, yeah, it is a shame. But, uh... They can't modernise, can they? Well, I'm joined now by the councillor for the area, Robin Bradburn, and also David Vo- uh, Foster, who is the uh, chief executive for the Parks Trust. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, you. Uh, David, I'll speak to you first. The, the land the pub is on is owned by the Parks Trust, a charity which looks after green spaces in Milton Keynes. I was surprised to find out that the Parks Trust was responsible for some pubs. Well, yeah, we're, we're responsible for some pubs, but we also own a few shops and offices and uh, industrial estates because that's the way in which our, our funding works. We don't get any money from the local council or from the government. We are totally uh, self-financing. So our investments are mainly in property, and some of that property is in Milton Keynes. And my job is to make sure that those investments generate the money we need to pay for our charitable work, which is running parks and... Uh, landscapes and keeping the place looking good and is the argument that these pubs are not making the income that you need well that is the exactly it yes and um I, they have been very good investments for the trust over the over the years but uh, over the last uh, few years the rents have gradually been um static or even falling and uh, this one at the the suffolk punch i mean the the rent used to be almost twice what we're getting now uh, and that's really just because the pub business is is changing. I think uh, cameras say that around seven thousand pubs have closed in the last six years, and that's that tells you all you need to know about the economies of running a pub. So, what plans have you got for for pubs like the Suffolk Punch? Well, we're, we're you know we're we're very much at the heart of the community, the Parks Trust, and and uh, we're we're at the very early stage of considering what to do about it. I think if we'd been just a normal investor in a property we would have just closed it when the last uh, tenants green king chucked in their lease but uh, we don't want to do that we didn't want to do that we know it's important to try and keep it open and work with people so we've put someone in there a tenant in there on a three-year tenancy to give us time to consider what to do and we've gone to the gone to the parish council and said you know, this is, these are our thoughts and our ideas. What, 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 what do you think? And, of course, the reaction from many of the people who use the pub uh, it has been amazing. You know, they really want to keep their pub open. There are, of course, people who, who don't, who would like to see it closed, and plenty of people who don't care either way. But, uh, but certainly there's plenty of people who'd like to keep the pub open. And, you know, they, they, may, they may come up with something. David, you mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, the previous landlords, Green King. Some people have alleged that y- you let them go away without doing the place up, and that's, that's part of the problem. Well, you can't fly in the face of the economies, really. You know, they, they, uh, we, we, we did everything we could to get them to stay and to pay good rent, but uh, there's only so much you can do, and at the, at the end of the day, if they wanted to throw their lease in, that's what, that's what they did. Uh, and we had to take a surrender from them. You say you're, you're, you're very community-minded, I'm sure that's the case, but if these pubs close, then that is an important part of the community that, that disappears, doesn't it? Well, absolutely right, um, but sadly my charity is... Uh, is uh, our, our job is to look after the parks and the landscape in Milton Keynes, not to provide um, meeting places and, uh, uh, and, and pubs. Uh, that's 
that that, that isn't really our, our job. And under the charity act, the charity law, my trustees can't uh, can't go round subsidising pubs. David, stay there, that, because we're going to bring in uh, Robin into the conversation now. There was a meeting last week letting people know the reasons for the closure and what was likely to happen in the future. Uh, the councillor for the area, Robin Bradburn, was there. Uh, Robin, don't we just have to accept that pubs are closing? Pubs are closing all over the country. They're, they're kind of an old-fashioned concept, aren't they? <laughs> Ian, uh, first of all, I'm not the only councillor for the area. There are three ward councillors. Um, You're the best, I'm... though, Robin. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I accept that you, you hear in the news the number of pubs shutting every week, and uh, you, you can't beat the commercial side of it. But the, the problem with this particular public house is that it's slowly spiralled down. It's wound down. The business has eroded because of poor management decisions by Green King and then subsequently, and as David alluded to, the surrender of the lease, and the property isn't in the best of uh, <laughs> Kenda now, so uh, it doesn't engender people to go in. Um, there is a tremendous support, as David said, for a public house there. I think a lot of the residents of Helens remember when it used to be run very well in the sort of middle 2000s, 2005 to 2008. It's interesting that Green King tried to sell the lease in 2008 for 150000 That was the valuation put on it by Florette. Unfortunately, they didn't sell it, probably because of the nature of the lease that it is on. This is the problem. As you said, it, it does surprise a lot of people that the Parks Trust are involved in such Robin, you mentioned that you mentioned that lots of people are uh, in, in support of the pub and wanted to stay there. Have a listen to this. The, we, we have spoken to several people, including this woman, who says that the pub just brings trouble. We don't really need pubs, do we? Really, you don't need them. They're up the city. Keep them there. Off the estates and up the city. Do you think they bring trouble, then? Yeah. Oh, definitely. That one does, don't it? There's been stabbings and everything up there. So it's not the best pub? No. Close it down, put the houses up, is what I say. We need houses, don't we? You need houses, you don't Residential need... Residential Definitely, yeah. You need it. With accounts, bedroom tax and everything, you need more one-bedroom properties. Yeah. That's what we need. We, we don't need a pub. She's got a point, doesn't she, Robin? Oh, yeah, we, we definitely need social housing. But also the point about them causing... The pubs on, on, on estates causing problems. Well, <laughs> you know, for, for every one of those vox pox you've got there of people speaking... Myself and fellow councillor Exxon, we have over 350 replies to simple door knocking and putting letters that say they want a pub. But, but one, that, one where there's been car. stabbings? Pardon? One where there's been stabbings, Robin? Well, but there's, there's always antisocial behaviour associated Stab- Stabbings is, is, I would suggest, is a little yeah, stronger than antisocial. Yeah, I know, but uh, you see. And why, what we're talking about is a community centre or a public house. Now, what has happened before is, as I said, there's been bad management. The place has been run pretty poorly in the last few years. And as David has quite rightly said, the, the business has dwindled. What people remember and would like to get back to is to those days when it was well run and the business and the well run business and people could enjoy a family environment and they used to do food uh it was very much a center of healing robin speak, speak away speak, from the city speak to david to not, tell, da- yeah. tell david what he should do 
Well, I'm not telling you what to do. David and I, we've spoken. The Pirates Trust did great work for Milton Keynes, and I'm not denigrating their work at all. But what I would like is some sort of compromise, and this is what we mentioned at the meeting, that the Pirates Trust look at whether they can incorporate some money scheme to get them some money value back for the property that they own and something for the community. Now, it was evident at the meeting that uh, the idea of the parish council was that, that a community centre or something like that wasn't really what people wanted. They wanted, as David quite candidly has said today, this morning, a public house. Now, how we can achieve that with probably a smaller unit, particularly if you start with a new canvas, with a new operator, with a smaller, more manageable unit, you may well provide well, let's, everybody with an answer. We're running out of time. Let's put that to David. David, is that, is that an option? Is that a possibility? Well, uh, to, to be honest, that, that, that could be. I mean, if, if, uh, if someone comes along and they want to build another pub on the site and knock that one down and start afresh and maybe build a pub on half of it and something else on the site, then, then we would certainly consider that. But uh, I think it's pretty unlikely. People aren't, uh, by and large, opening new pubs these days. There are one or two exceptions. You know, the, the whole trend has been and still is that... Uh, Pubs are closing. 18 pubs a week. Like. Robin, last, last point to you. It, 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 David says pubs are closing. It's unlikely someone's going to want to come in there and open up a pub. Yeah, well, David did say there's been two new licence applications for Milton Keynes, one in Furzen, for brand new pubs. So they are opening, and if they're run by the right operator and they're run correctly, then they provide not only a good business, but they provide something for the community. As you heard, people like a local pub. And, you know, I think, you know, that's what people want. That's why it was listed as a community asset with the local authorities. OK, General, we have to end it there. Sorry to cut you short. The last voice you heard there was uh, one of the councillors for the area, Robin Brabban. And before that, uh, David Foster, Chief Executive of the Parks Trust. Well, what do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. These things have to be run as businesses. They can't go around losing money. But when was the last time you went to your local pub? sat down and had a couple of pints with your mates. Now, what do you think? Should prisoners be able to vote? Well, that topic is under debate today, as our government say no, but EU law says yes. Attorney General for England and Wales and MP for Beaconsfield, Dominic Grieve, is to testify later in the UK Supreme Court that Parliament, rather than Europe, should decide whether prisoners here can vote. It'll be the first time an Attorney General has appeared in the court since it was established in 2009. EU law says prisoners have the right to vote and that the Prime Minister cannot go against EU law. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, who has never been to prison, uh, spoke to people in Bovingdon, where they have the Mount Prison, about this, and the majority of people were against the idea. Or maybe not. We'll find out where that is. Hang on one second. It's coming up. Maybe Justin Dealey has been to prison, and uh, as a result, we have lost his sneaky audio. Well, we'll talk to him in a second. Uh, Let's speak to Juliet Lyon, who is the director of the Prison Reform Trust, and thinks that prisoners should get the vote. Why do you think they should, Juliet? Because it's the law, um, and because they're people. Those are the two, they're really simple reasons, but um, there was a a case in the European Court of Human Rights back in 2004 when um, the blanket ban on prisoners voting was declared unlawful and the UK government was asked to um, to decide how many or how few people in prison should vote in elections. Um, and it's dodged doing that for, you know, a decade. Should really. all prisoners get the vote? Well, it seems... 
to us at Prisoner Reform Trust that if people are people um, behind bars and if the punishment of imprisonment is loss of liberty, then yes, they should. Ian but Huntley should get the vote. That, that, uh, that fellow uh, that murdered that, that little April girl should get the vote. Really? The punishment that he's serving is um, life imprisonment. I don't, want, I don't want people like that, child murderers, to have a say in how my country is run. Why should they? Because they're still people. They're being punished. Ian by Huntley's being not sent really a prison. Yeah, Ian Huntley's not really a person, though, is he? You couldn't consider him yes, a man. Could, the, the gentleman, I think, I the mean, gentleman and, and that I think murdered April d- 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 should be considered a human being and should be given the same rights as a human being. Yes, actually. And it, it, do you know Why? what you're saying? If you think about it, you've got a prison um, in your area. You do think about the prison staff who work there. Yeah. Think about the way in which they're required to treat people with humanity. Think about April's parents. And respect. Um, Where is the decency and respect for them? Well, they have lost something that they can never get back, and, and the crime is been committed that is completely terrible i'm not i'm not saying to you then, then why should that gentleman be given any say in how the country is run and any rights like that at all because the punishment is imprisonment and loss of his liberty and that is what he's serving and prison staff have to look after him with dignity and respect right. and this is probably why prison governors um probably why bishops to prisons probably by inspectors of prisons all think that as an ordinary part of life in prison and for most people not everybody but only 40 people will never leave prison for most people it's an ordinary part of their resettlement and it's about a duty and it's about a responsibility so you know even if you not so keen on rights most people think that voting is a responsibility but mark bridger has in australia we'd be fined if we didn't vote what mark but that that's that's uh, irrelevant you, mark you know, bridger mark you're, bridger you're no picking, julian mark uh, yeah. bridger mark bridger has has excluded himself from society by murdering uh, a young five-year-old girl and lying about what he did with the body why well, should he have really any say why should he have any say in how my country is run he's excluded himself well if if you, if we lived in France or Germany, the we don't. Would, we live in England. Why should Mark Bridger have any just, say? Well, I'm just explaining to you. If we did live in an, in France or Germany, then the, then the courts would decide. So, a case like that. No, no, we're, we're not. Talk, I don't crime. want to talk about France or Germany, Juliet. We're talking about the moral obli- m- the moral situation. Why should Mark Bridger, who is a very nasty piece of work, why should he have any say? in how this country is run. I, I'm not arguing with you that someone shouldn't go to prison. I think prison matters, and it's really important. Why should he have any say in how this country is run? Serious and violent crime should go to prison and spend Why should time he have any say in how this country is run? Because he is still a person. Because even if he's behind bars, he's still a person. You're sent to prison to lose your liberty, not your identity, not to take no responsibility for anything. But um, he's proven that he is un- incapable of, of taking 000. responsibility. Yeah, and 40, 40 people out of 83,000 people in prison are going to spend the rest of their lives Good. There. Well, they obviously done something very, very bad. Terrible. They deserve to, yeah. Completely terrible. He has proven... But the vast majority, um, 80%, haven't committed a violent crime. He has proven that he is incapable of taking responsibility for anything. So I, I don't understand. You, you've yet to put forward a strong argument, Juliet, as to why someone who has killed a child and lied about it should have any say in how the country is run, in how things are done, in how my life is governed. Well, you could argue that while somebody's still alive, they should exist as a person and they're still a human being. 
you could equally argue that if somebody's committed a terrible crime, they should go to prison for a very long time. I'm not arguing on the second You could also I argue that he's, he, he is, he's, he's broken one of the most horrible, you know, one of the most horrible crimes there is. And he, he isn't a person in some way, because no person, no one with a soul or any degree of humanity could do what Mark Bridger did. Well, I sometimes look at cases and think that myself, that you can't imagine how somebody could do such a terrible thing to somebody else. You can't imagine how that could happen, and you wonder whether they're, even if, whether they're well enough, you know, could, could they have been ill? How could anyone do that? What would possess someone to do it? But that's a completely different argument. That is an argument about how we use punishment and how we use prison. This is a case about voting. And it would be perfectly possible for this government, and it could have done it back in 2004, to say, OK, um, we'll have a look and see what other people do in Europe. Oh, there's only six countries out of the 40 or so in the Council of Europe who don't allow prisoners to vote. What do other countries do? In France and Germany, the courts decide, so they strip people of their vote if it's a particularly serious offence. In other countries, everyone can vote. You know, we're so far out of step, and we make such a huge issue of this, and, and you pick the worst cases possible. The yeah. government could side that people who've committed a serious offence. At the moment, there's a consultation about people and saying nobody who's serving more than four years should vote. It is up to this government to make a decision about that. You know, if they want people who are just serving short sentences, which is the vast majority of people in prison, well, today, they Let's can decide that. Have That's a listen fine. to this. We, we, we sent our reporter Justin Delia. He spoke to some people. This is, this is their views on it. Well, it's supposed to be prison, isn't it? it you know, they, they should go in there. They should have, well, not necessarily porridge like I used to get, but, you know, they, they should have just the basic things which they need. You know, a toilet, a bed. But they don't have DVDs, pool, sky... The, the privilege of using phones. None. They've lost their benefits when they uh, either break in or do robbery or cause trouble. Well, I can't swear, can I? No, you can't. Uh, nothing. No, why? They've, they've committed a crime. Where the taxpayers, etc., are paying for them to be put up in a hotel, which Joey has <coughs> called it, and uh, it is a hotel. Well, that's what uh, lots of people think. Juliet, what's your reaction to that? I appreciate that. I mean, again, you know, what people are talking about is a lot of the things that you see in the popular press about prison being a holiday camp or a hotel. It's not. You know, if you were to go to a prison, you'd see for yourself that it's our punishment of last resort. You know, if you want to make a punishment fit a crime, then by all means strip people of their vote if they've committed electoral fraud because it would be the same as taking away a driving licence for someone who's done careless driving. Well, I mean, why can't, why can't um, uh, stripping someone of their right to vote be part of the punishment? Why shouldn't it well, be it part of the be, punishment the for, 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 all, for all prisoners? It, it could be. If that was what the government decided, well, it couldn't be for all prisoners because the blanket ban is unlawful. So f a certain number but, will But, will but, but morally, morally, why couldn't it be? Uh, because well, for the same reason, I, you know, I've been trying to... I'm obviously not, argue, not arguing well enough for you, but... No, you're not. But you're having a good but, go, and it's, it's, it's good sport this morning, I'm, I appreciate it. I'm telling you that, you know, because they're people, because they're still citizens, you know, this punishment dates back to 1870. It was a punishment of civic death. We've got a modern prison system in which staff are required to look after people with decency respect and prevent reoffending. But why should elite. we, again, I'm, I'm scratching my head, why should we look after Mark Bridger and Ian Huntley with decency and respect for when they did something that's completely heinous? Because we don't have a death penalty, our most extreme form of punishment is imprisonment. 
it should be reserved for the most serious and violent offenders. And because we would have the most uncivilised system um, if we didn't look after people with decency and respect. And that would reflect very badly on all of us. You but, only but, have to read Winston Churchill to see what he but, said about imprisonment. You know, th- th- it does tell us what kind of society oh, it does. we are. I know it does, and I, and I, and I, I know the, the quote you're referring to, but... Uh, I, I, I struggle, and listen, I'm kind of a, a lefty libertarian, but even I struggle with why we should treat, th- again, back to these, these gentlemen I've mentioned already, why we should treat them with any decency or respect. They have proved themselves beyond decency and respect. Do you disagree? I absolutely do, yes. I spent four years working for the prison service and, and helping to train staff, and if you were to select people on the basis that they wanted to behave um, in an uncivilised and cruel way, um, it would probably be possible to find people who wanted to run a prison system like that. But you'd have a prison system that we'd all be thoroughly ashamed of. You'd have the kind of prison system that when we read about torture in the papers in other countries and we all feel that that's wrong, uh, we'd end up with a system where staff didn't have rules and boundaries, where they couldn't behave like civilised people, which they are. They do an incredibly hard job on behalf of the rest of us. And, I, you know, I feel that we should we should honour that. And, it, you know, the reason it's such a... An important job is because because they're doing it on behalf of all of us, and they are doing it with with decency and respect, and and that that in itself has to be respected. Juliet, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for coming on. Juliet Lyon, director of the uh, Prison Reform Trust. Well, she thinks that prisoners, including Mark Bridger and, and and Ian Huntley, should be treated with dignity and respect, and should be given the vote. Well, what do you think? Should prisoners have the vote? That's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Hang on a second, Kath. Uh, Kelly's just come in to do a little tea run, and I'm sure oh, she's got, got any tea bags. Mine's coffee. I've got some tea bags up here if you want. No, I want my Redbush tea bags. Uh. Don't don't do that. That's rude. Hang on. Do hang you on. Want me to look in the news bin. Yeah, you look in the news bin. So you... Sorry, um, Kelly. Be with me a second. Okay. Um, Everyone, calm down. The show is literally. We've done the minister's thing coffee. yesterday. Let's hang do on. something else. No, this isn't uh, right. Hang on, right. Hang on, Catherine. You stay there. Government Ke- Catherine, tax avoided. Catherine, yep, yep, stop. Yep, stay yep, there. Yep. Kelly, I haven't got a tea bag. I'll have one of Catherine's tea bags. Oh, so now you want my tea bags? Yes. Okay. And we don't need the news bin now. Good. Nothing in it. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yep. That uh, two-minute Lazi or short scene could only be done because of the unique way the uh, the BBC is funded. It is. It's the word Lazi. It's um, it's a theatrical term. It means a very short scene. I can't remember exactly what genre of theatre it refers to, but it's something I picked up from my performing arts degree. It's not the only thing I picked up, but luckily that's all gone now. Coming up in the next thirty minutes, should prisoners have the vote? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five, and why people in, uh, in Luton, Lutonians, you, dear listener, if you live in Luton, well, you could be dying younger than everywhere else. We don't do very well. But before that, oh dearie me, new look GCSEs for schools uh, in England are set to be announced. Um, by the Education Secretary from 2015. Most changes, uh, most subjects will move from continual assessment and coursework to exams uh, at the end of two years. It's thought the current grading system from A star to G will also be replaced with a a numerical one. So eight 
would be a, the equivalent of an A, and one would be the equivalent of a G, or something. It's, it's very complicated, isn't it? Well, this is the latest stage in the Education Secretary's drive to reform the exam system. Last year, he announced, and then later dropped, plans to replace GCSEs with English baccalaureate certificates. These new plans are being set out today in two reports. Well, let's see what Mr Educator Graham Lawler thinks about this. I'm going to describe him as our maths expert, just for the purpose of this interview, when really, you'll, you'll just... Uh, uh, th- th- don't take this the wrong way, Graham. You're an irritant. No, thank you very much. Every time you come on, you want to wind me up, you wind the <laughs> listeners up, you inf- we, we, I get abusive emails. <laughs> the last time you came on, I got a lot of abuse. Listen, no doubt you have a, a challenge for us, which we'll come to in a little bit. But what do you think about these proposed changes? Well, we're only going on the leaks, because it hasn't been announced yep. yet. But one of, the, um, one of the concerns is that uh, we now have... Um, well, first of all, we don't know if it's still going to be called GCSE. One of the leaks says it's going to be called I-levels, as in intermediate levels. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly is Mr. Gove and Mr. Andrews over in Wales, who is their Secretary of State for Education. They don't even speak to each other, apparently. Oh. And the same with a chap in Northern Ireland. Nobody's picking up the phone, so it means our GCSE, or whatever it's going to be called, will not be the same as a Welsh or a Northern Irish GCSE. Now, that has implications both for our young people and for Welsh and Northern Irish, for good things like going on for jobs, going on for university. It is going to make it complicated for employers and potential employees if they're coming with different sets of exams and a different grading system. Absolutely. It's going to be really difficult. Now, the other thing, you're not quite right over the uh, numerical grading. From what I understand and the leaks, it's going to go from an 8 downwards. Now, an 8 is not an A star. Right. An A star will be about a 5 or a 6. So what it will mean for our young people is that less of them will get top grades because the top grades will be what is currently in AS level. Mm. Now, that makes sense in the sense of you're actually allowing the brightest to, to blossom, but there will be less of them. It's built into the system. There is the argument, Graham, isn't there, that, that GCSEs are uh, that perhaps a little bit too easy, the exams are a bit too easy, the coursework is often done by teachers and, uh, and parents, and that GCSEs, as I remember, were brought in to help those who weren't quite so good at exams. But isn't that just kind of a natural selection? Some people can do exams oh. and some can't and go off and do other things. Uh, I don't accept what you're saying, but it brought in make things easy because I'm, I was involved in the start of the GCSE and the whole point of the GCSE was to remove barriers. If you were doing the old CSE um, compared to the old O-level, there was a barrier, a, a systematised barrier that you couldn't get beyond. Um, you know, people say, well, you've got a CSE 1, it's the same as an O-level. It wasn't. Mm. And um, there's no two ways about it. There was the sheep and goats. And if you, you were chosen very often in schools by the age of 11, you got into the top set and you stayed in the top set for five years. Um, in 1974, around about 47% of our kids left school with no qualifications at all. Now it is about 4%. Now, the, the way that we assess children was changed in the 1980s by the then Tory government. And it gets a bit complicated, this, but it used to be the case that uh, if this year
year the top grade was, say, 65%, the top 15% got an A. So anybody between 50 and 65% got a grade A. Mm. It then changed to a system where they had a lot of tick lists. So if you can do this, 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 and this, you're an A. Now, the old system meant that one year, 50 to 65%, you got an A. If the next year it was top grade, the top mark was 80%, then you had to get between 65 and 80% to get an A. So every grade A each year was in the top 15%, depending on what the top 15% were, and that was called norm referencing. Now we have what's called criterion referencing, and this is actually, in a sense, taking us back to that, because it's giving, it is giving the more able an opportunity to shine, but by definition, they are the fewest. There are less of them. Now, when you compare us to somewhere like Germany, the Prime Minister is right in that he needs reforms in the education system, particularly in England, more so than the Gelder countries. But the reform needs to be in the middle ability. We are brilliant at producing our excellence. We have excellent universities and um, um, you know, world elites like Oxford and Cambridge are in the world elites. Germany don't have anybody. They do not have anybody at all. But this exam is highly regarded around the world. You know the TV show CSI? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they finished the Miami version of CSI Miami. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, CSI Miami was set in a place called Miami-Dade. Now, Miami-Dade County really exists. Right. And Miami-Dade have just started a new examination in their schools. And it's the GCSE. They've imported oh. it. And the A-level because it is so good. In terms of world rankings, we are, the UK as a whole, England, Wales, and Northern Ireland, particularly, and more so in Scotland, we're about fourth in the world. Well, listen, Graham, I can understand your, your, your defence of, of the current exam system. Now, have a listen to this, though. This is what the Education Minister, uh, Elizabeth Truss, has said about these changes. She thinks they're vital. We are taking steps with the existing exams to make them as good as possible, mm. but we do need to start competing against those top-performing countries in the world. So because for too long, we've pretended that students' results are getting better, where actually all that's been happening is the exams have been getting easier and there's been a race to the bottom between the exam boards, and we need to stop that happening now. Graham, a race to the bottom. Oh, well, I, that's right-wing propaganda. I, you know, just the evidence doesn't show that. The evidence, the exam system changed. Now, you know, if this, this is a, a minister saying this. The exam system changed in the 80s when the Tories were in power. They changed it. So if they're saying it's a race to the bottom now, that means they got it wrong. I mean, they're getting, you know, they're, they're making political points here. Um, the fact is, where we need to improve is our middle ability and our lower ability. We're excellent at producing the top end. We are one of the world's best at producing the top end um, students mm. to go into elite universities. We are not good with things like apprenticeships. We're not good with things like getting technician training. And we're most certainly not good enough in any shape or form in mathematics. It's pretty poor timing as well to announce. There's lots of uh, younger people who will be sitting there maths GCSE today, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Well, what must they be thinking? Well, their, their qualification will be safeguarded, it'll be sound, so they've got nothing to worry about. It'll still be regarded, So, because um, this won't kick in until uh, 2015. Now, the, the, the other point about that we don't know yet is, you know, we're getting into politics here, but if the Labour Party win the next election, will it carry on? We don't know. As, as an author of books, I'm in limbo here because I don't know whether or not to, to produce books for a new course. 
Um, you know, if I do produce a new book for a new course, I have to have an Englander version, a Wales version, and a Northern Ireland version. Hey, more, more money, Graham. Think about it. More <laughs> money for you. You're quitting. Listen, we, we, we are running out of time. It's always fascinating to talk to you. Have you got one of your irritating problems for us? Yeah, take the morning. number on the Prime Minister's door. Yes, hang on a second. That's number 10. Yes, I've got that. Square it. Um, uh, that, that makes a thousand, doesn't it? Subtract one. I'll give you a clue. It's red balloons. Yeah, okay, uh, okay right. Yes, yes, 99, yes. What's your answer? 99. That's it. No, but I got... That's only because you told me. I would have gone for <laughs> 999. Squaring means multiply it by itself. That makes a t- 100, yeah. Subtract one. Nina red balloons. Nina red balloons. Uh, 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky. Uh, I, I would have been... T- there are some members of uh, the BBC Three Counties radio team who will today be sitting, I believe, their GCSE maths uh, exams. For for a bit of fun, the yeah. email said. And yeah. I replied instantly, oh, I can't busy then. <laughs> Uh, what advice would you give them? Stay calm. Look at the paper. Um, put a, um, a line down one side and put your notes in there. Cross them out, but don't obliterate them. Oh. Because the examiner will always look at notes to see they're looking for understanding. They want you to pass. Yeah. They are keen on you to pass. Look at the amount of space on the paper. If it's just a short amount of space, they're only expecting a short answer. If there's a lot of space, they're expecting calculations. It is mathematics. It's your opportunity to show what you can do. Graham, it's always lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Graham Lawler, who is our, uh, the, the resident maths expert here uh, on, on my show and on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook is hotting up this morning. It has to be said, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. If you go there, there's a lovely picture of my hands that have not been cleaned. They are touching the back of Justin D. Lee's polyester jumper. It's a, it's a beautiful jumper. <laughs> um, and you've been having your say about whether you should wash your hands after going to the toilet. My hands are at the moment. They've, they've had some powder rubbed onto them, which will be... Uh, an expert will later on be looking and seeing exactly where I've been. Terry says, uh, he, might, uh, he might not be dead, but what a mucky pup spreading his germs. Jill says, and this is a good point, Jill, it's people being too clean that is the problem. Aha! You need germs and dirt to build up an immunity. I know people who are always ill because they are totally clean. This is the argument I constantly have with my wife, who's constantly cleaning the boys and stopping them from eating dirt. And think, Young boys are supposed to eat dirt. They are supposed to suck stones and put worms in their mouths, OK? If you keep cleaning them, they don't build a resistance to, to diseases. Look at Tara, my producer, crossing both her arms and her legs in an act of... Ooh, that's horrible. 08459 455 555. We wash our hands too much. That's almost a scientific fact. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a new website which ranks areas of England according to premature death rates has identified that people in Luton have a greater chance of dying early in beds, hearts and bucks. Well, the town has come 108th out of 150 authorities for having the worst early death rate in England. The figures have been published by Public Health England, which uses a traffic light system to show the number of people dying under the age of 75. Well, I'm joined now by Dr Una Duffy, who's a doctor from Luton. Uh, doctor, these figures for Luton seem pretty bad. Are you surprised? I'm not. I have to say, I have seen very similar charts um, for the population of Luton since I started as a GP there 15 years ago. It's not new, and it's a lot to do with our population mix 
and the social and economic factors that we have in Luton compared to other areas of the three counties. Well, it, it has to be down, uh, I would have thought the majority of it has to be down to money, doesn't it? That wealthier people can afford healthier lifestyles. Yes, absolutely. The biggest protector against dying below the age of 75 is a high income and belonging to a high social class. That was known in the early days of public health back in Victorian times. Is there anything that can be done then? There's plenty, and there's a huge strategy that has been happening, as, as, as I say, for as long as I've been here, and, and much more accelerated in the last few years, working with the local authorities, the public health people, uh, the hospital, the secondary care, and also at CCG to tackle what are called health inequalities and to look at these factors. What are the factors that make uh, people in Luton have higher incidences of cancer, of heart disease, of diabetes, what can be done to pick these up earlier, what are the factors that are preventing people from coming forward, for example, for screening in Luton compared to other areas of the country. There's loads of work being done on this, and I, I, I've certainly seen public health strategies for health inequalities. For, for is this part of the, the, there's a campaign, isn't there, called Longer Lives? Is that what you're referring to? No, it's, that's obviously a, you know, a new title for a new piece of right. work, but the, 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 the work around this area has, has, has been ongoing. Um, as GPs, uh, we have um, frequently had uh, meetings in Luton where we've had presentations from public health on maybe a particular topic, like, for example, cancer or diabetes, and looking at the figures from Luton and drilling down and finding out what, what the factors are, that what we need to work on, um, you know, in our, in our practices, in our localities, in the hospital, and in the wider area as well. Because it's not just to do with health. It is a lot to do with things like household income, unemployment, our drug and alcohol incidents. A very telling thing is that the household income per head in Luton is 20% below the UK average. Unemployment is twice as high as the rest of the east of England. Overcrowding is higher than anywhere else in the east of England. All these factors as well uh, will impact on health, as you say. Surveys like this that, that say that Luton is 108th out of 150, do they actually serve any purpose? Do, do, do they help uh, the Lutonians? Do they help doctors? Um, I think that they, they, can, they can highlight it, but it's not bringing to, to us any particular thing that we didn't know about already. But maybe it can highlight it to the population and, and work in some ways for people to maybe think about um, appointments that they may have missed or screening opportunities. Screening in particular is a big problem with Luton with poorer uptake for breast cancer screening, for cervical smears, for bowel cancer. And we need to investigate what those factors are and what it is about our population that makes them less likely to take up cancer screening than in other areas. Now, Dr. Una, you're, you're a proper doctor, aren't you? I'm a GP. Okay, yes. excellent. That's what that's what I meant. Sorry. Yes, uh, we're doing a little thing this morning about about personal hygiene. Now, I don't wash my hands after I've been to the toilet unless I really, really have to. If, I, if I'm visiting someone in hospital, then of course I would do that. But normally I don't. Can you back me up on this, doctor? That weeing on your hands is actually a good thing, isn't it? I think it's horrible. I think Sorry? yuck. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh! I thought it was good if you've got warts that you I should know, urinate I on your hands. Frogs is meant to be good for warts as well, but I don't think there's oh. any scientific evidence behind it. But no, I think it's oh. yucky, and it's not just you know you're, it's what you touch as well, the fixtures and fittings, and yeah. anything like that, door handles even. Though I would I would recommend washing your hands. It makes, but the, the, okay, you didn't agree with me on that. That's disappointing. Would you, maybe you'll agree with me on this that we maybe we clean uh, ourselves and our children too much, and it prevents us from building up I immunity to diseases. Yeah. 
I think there's, well, there's a certain amount. I mean, you can be overprotective, and we, we, there's certainly some evidence that the higher incidence of allergies can be linked to our more hygienic lifestyle, as it were. But I think you've got to draw the line somewhere, and I don't think that that would be a reason for me for sort of what I would consider personal hygiene, to be honest. <laughs> Doctor, you're a very good sport. I appreciate you coming on this uh, this morning. Well, well, we'll be speaking to a hygiene expert to find out just how bad it is. Me knock. Be honest, though. Be honest. Okay. You don't wash your hands every time you go to the loo, do you? You don't. Sometimes, if it's, um, you know, that there are people outside the bathroom, I'll turn the tap on so it sounds like I'm washing my hands, but I actually won't bother. It's just, it's a faff. Stephen in Bedford, I know it's not what you've called in about, and we'll get to your point in a second, but do you wash your hands after going to the loo? Uh, to be honest, no, I can't, because I'm a milkman, it's pretty difficult. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> hang on a second! You've I just o- said that. You've just opened up a whole can of Milky Worms. So hang on. No, no. You're, deli- you, you're delivering milk, sister. Stephen. You're delivering yeah. milk and you've not washed your hands. You're touching people's milk bottles. Absolutely. And you've got, you, you have not washed your hands after going to the toilet. Well, no, but I have got, I've got baby wipes in the thing and I've got, um, the antibacterial hand wipes. Okay, so do you, do you, do you wipe your hands with the antibacterial wipes after you've been to the toilet? Yes, I do. You don't, do you, Stephen? You're just saying that because you don't want to lose your job, aren't you? <laughs> You're backtracking, aren't you? <laughs> no, I do. I'm a, to- I do total do backtracker. <laughs> to- anyway, Stephen, it's not what you've called in, uh, in about. No. Prisoners, should they have the vote? Uh, some of them should, but life is definitely not. Well, we didn't- if, they're, if, they're, if they're out of society for, you know, they have no right to tell us people, us good law-abiding citizens in society, what we can and what we can't do. I don't know if you heard the conversation earlier on, Stephen, with uh, Juliet Lyon from the Prison Reform Trust. Yeah, she's a nutcase. Well, I don't think we, well, I don't think we can quite call her a, a nutcase in, 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 in her absence. But she suggested that the, um, the prison sentence was the punishment, and that if we are a decent, caring society, which I like to think we are, then we should allow prisoners to have the vote. No, definitely not. They have got no right to tell me what I can and what I can't do. The, the disgusting, filthy, dirty things that they've done... Oh, no, please, I don't want to talk about what they've done, but they have no right to tell me. But then where do you draw the line? Let's go, let's go through a list and let, let's see who you would allow to vote and who you wouldn't allow to vote. Um, a drug dealer. Vote or no vote? Uh, no, I would say not. OK. A shoplifter, vote or no vote? Yes, I can make him vote, yes. Uh, a car thief, vote or no vote? Uh, yes, because you don't know why they've nicked the car, I suppose. Okay. I don't think it depends what they've done. I think it, it depends the length of time they're in prison for. Okay. If they're only in prison for months or maybe a year, then yeah, they should they should get the vote. Okay, so you you would you would go by the the length of sin- sentence that they're serving. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so what would be the cutoff point? A year, two years, five years? Uh, uh, a year, over a year, then no, they don't get the right because they won't. Well, no, that's that's not right because they might. Say, no, two years. Say two years. Definitely. I've changed, I've made my mind, that is it, definitely. Final answer, two years. That if they're in for anything less than two years, they can vote. Over two years, no vote. Are you sure that's your final answer? I'm sure that's you don't want to go to, You don't want to go to three years? No, no, no. You don't want to ask years. the audience? No, no, no. I'm okay. just, I mean, two years. And be honest, Stephen, you don't wash your hands after you've done away, do you? <laughs> Be honest. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. My dad drilled it into me when I was a kid, being an army lad that he was. Stephen, thank you very much. It's interesting that you came on and said you didn't wash your hands, and then suddenly you said 
Oh, no, 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 I do watch. Oh, no, no, I do watch Mads. No, I got that wrong. I forgot. Stephen and Bedford, thank you very much indeed. 08459 It It is hard, isn't it? When you kind of say, well, yes, some prisoners should have the vote. And some prisoners shouldn't. Well, where do you draw the line? How do you differentiate? How do you d- decide, well, OK, yes, you, you can have the vote, but you know your crime was much worse. So you can't. You can't. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Also, after nine o'clock, JVS will be talking about prison voting in his big phone in today. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash yeah, three, three counties. I'll speak to her. Do it now. What's going on? Uh, what, what do you think about Jose Mourinho? Uh, well, uh, he's a bit deflated, isn't he? Well, he's not the pompous, kind of slightly arrogant, swaggering man he was before. He's an old man who has had a, a, a bad run of luck uh, in his foreign football team, Spanish. Uh, he was my gay choice for quite some time. <laughs> he was. <laughs> but I saw him yesterday, I thought, oh dear, no, his, his neck's all thin. It, it's, the, the, it, he just looks old. He looks to me like he's been told off. Yeah. He's got that look about him. If you, were to, if you had Jose Mourinho in front of you now, mm-hmm. how would you punish him? Punish him? Yeah. For what? Being naughty. <laughs> what would you do? Well, I don't believe in smacking it be the step. <laughs> How old is he? Could be there for some time. Without going into too much detail, you know there will be some couples now where that's that's their role play game. Oh, you've been a bad boy, go and stand on the naughty step. There will That Super Nanny has a lot to answer for. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's nice to be back after a few days off. And uh, thank you again to Justin Dealey for doing a perfectly adequate job on those f- uh, few days. I was not here. Lots to talk about between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including Europe and some experts say that prisoners should be able to vote. Well, what do you think? Should prisoners be allowed to vote? When was the last time you went to your local pub? Some of them, Milton Keynes, are losing money and could shut. Well, if your local pub shut, would you really miss it? And just be honest with me. When you go to the toilet, one or two, do you wash your hands afterwards? I don't. I'm not dead yet. Well, all morning I've had some special powder on my hands that apparently is going to show just how dirty I am when a hygiene expert comes in to talk to me. And no doubt make me stand on the naughty step. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send a text as well, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, local boozer, you pop in there sometimes, have a swifty half, watch a bit of Sky Sports, meet your mates, or do you? When was the last time you actually went to your local pub? I haven't been to a pub for you. Well, it's, I, I went to one a few months ago in central London. I took my mum. It was like, you know, it, it was a nice old boozer just off Covent Garden. It was kind of like going to a, 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 an old-fashioned world, though. It just felt so out of place in 2013. 
Well, plans have been discussed to sell some old estate pubs in Milton Keynes as they're not making money and could be used better. That's according to the charity which owns the land. Well, if your local pub closed, would you actually miss it? Miss it? Justin Dealey is. Uh, Justin Dealey, when was the last time you went to a local boozer? Uh, last week. Okay, yeah. well, the, the, okay. When was the last time before that that you went to a local boozer? The week before. <laughs> is it worth me carrying on with? Why? Why, why do you go? Because I like my local pub. Yeah. I think it, it, it's a, for me, it's a vital uh, for the community. And you're telling me a pub, a pub is out of place yeah. in the year 2013. Yes. Wow. Expen- expensive drinks, mm. Sky Sports playing really loudly all the time. A pub should be somewhere where you can go and have a quiet chat with your mates, have a bit of a laugh. Maybe you can put, still put, do that, can't you? Maybe put some money in the gamblers. Yeah. You can't now. Everything's too loud and too bright and too brash mm. and too expensive. Okay. Go and buy a couple of cans of tenants and sit in a park. <laughs> Sounds Dealey. so classy. It does sound classy, <laughs> doesn't it? I, I miss the old-fashioned jukeboxes, but um, I have been up to Flamstead in Hertfordshire. Now, that's a small village, but it has three pubs there. I've been asking people if their locals were to go, would they miss them? And this is what people had to say. Oh, that's my, my apologies. It's on this button. I think it'd be a huge loss to the village and the community structure in the village if all the pubs were to go. And most of the dog walks in Flamstead go past one pub or another pub. I would miss the character of the village. And the pubs provide a certain backdrop of character, whether you're driving through or whether you're walking through or it's somewhere to stop with your dogs on the way through. So yes, really, I genuinely miss them. Uh, they're very much part of a village life. Um, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a great pub goer, but I think uh, they are a central part of a village. And, I, and in that respect, yes, they would be missed. Yes, because well, they're the centre of the village. Um, when the spotted dog was burnt, it was in darkness for quite a few months, and it made the village quite empty, really, in the centre. I mean, if these pubs weren't here, would you say that Flamstead would become a less desirable place to live simply because of a pub? Well, if people meet there for social occasions and they like going out for a meal or just to have a drink, then probably yes. Personally, I don't use them an awful lot, but it's nice to be able to call in for a drink if it's a hot day or something like that. But I think probably three maybe is in excess of the amount of people living here. Well, David Libby is uh, from the Campaign for Real Ale in Milton Keynes and has lived in MK for 37 years. Good morning, David. Good morning. What, what is the history of these pubs? Well, I used to be on the, on the um, County Council and the Borough Council years ago on the Planning Committee and meetings with uh, Milton Keynes Development Corporation and their way was build shops, a pub for the community, maybe a meeting place, the hall, uh, a church, etc., for the community. Now, what Parks Trust is trying to do, which they got all these lot of these properties for nothing, that was given to by Development Corporation, and they just what to me they're just tearing the heart out of the community because what was planned by Development Corporation years ago, they're now saying, well, we're not taking the notice out. We want to close this. Where does it stop? You say it's ripping the heart out of the, the, the community. Communities have changed, haven't they? And if, if these pubs aren't making uh, profit, then it would imply that people aren't going to them. Well, there's a catch-22. If You mentioned earlier on that they were saying that, that um, uh, it's run down, etc., and the Green King handed their uh, tenancy in early. Now, any l- landowner, landlord of, the, of, of that pub who, who owned the pub wouldn't get it in the state of disrepair unless... They want to get rid of the thing. You know, they deliberately let the thing run down, and then they say, well, look, it's run down. It's a catch-22. People won't come to the pub if it looks in the 
state of disrepair. But, but pubs, are, pubs are closing every day. Oh, agreed. Dozens of pubs are closing every week. It, 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 does it really matter if it's in a state of, it, of disrepair? Would it have any effect? Would it, look, the, the pubs minister, Brendan Lewis, said that pubs were a major part of our community and played an important role in the local economy and, and want to see them thrive and prosper. Now, it's all part of the community. Um, you, they're, they're actually saying, if you shut a lot of these pubs, that's not the only one. You mentioned other pubs in the area. Yes, there are a few, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. All, on de- all on the old Parks Trust. Now, then you're encouraging people, who want to go for a drink, to drink drive. Sorry? You're encouraging people to drink drive. How? Well, if, in the local, if it's in their local estate, they can walk to the pub, can't they? Yeah. Right? So if they, the nearest one is maybe in the city centre of Milton Keynes... Yeah. Um, Get the you, bus. You, you encourage them to drive there to have a, have a drink. No, no, David, listen, I, I, I was with you up until then. That's that's a week. You're not encouraging them to, to well, drink no, and you, drive. But people will do that. They won't. If they want to go to a local pub, there are local pubs. Not there. Well, and those, those people, I would suggest, are idiots if they do that. That's, well, d- d- they are, yeah, but you, you're actually giving people the choice to do that if you haven't got your local pub. Well, now, David Foster at the meeting, I was at the meeting, um, I've just got into this role of cameras and like, preservation um, uh, on the branch here. Now, he said at the meeting, we don't care about the community. All we care about is uh, selling them off and looking after the parks. That's all we're interested in, he said. And I said, sort of sarcastically, well, if you want to sell something to make money, sell the cricket pitch that's down there. It's hardly used. You know what I mean? I do know. Good one, yes. Yes, you know what I mean? But the Parks Trust Trust is is, is a charity, I believe. And if, if they're losing money... Then why should they hold on to these pubs? Why should they subsidise these pubs? Well, you're the same subsidise. They've let the, that that pub, that one there, as is he omitted, they've let it go run down because they let Green King and in their uh, tenancy early, and they let them. They didn't do any work to it. They let it run down. Now, be honest. In your own state of mind, if you had a property you were renting out to someone, you wouldn't let it run down and after you've been disrepair because you're thinking, oh well. I'm, lose, I'm losing value of that property. Well, I wouldn't necessarily... I, I know what you're saying, David, but I, I certainly I wouldn't chuck money at, it if it, money at it if it didn't seem like that was a sound investment. Well, it's a catch-22. I mean, a lot of the things nowadays, we're in an economic squeeze everywhere, right? But if you're not going to spend on a month on a pub or community centre or anywhere and it looks a bit run down, people won't go to it. Yeah. But you've got to encourage people to go. And it's not just that. It's a domino effect. As if the, the Suffolk punch goes... There's other pubs in that area. Will they start next? I mean, they, I think they sold uh, the badminton centre, which the, the ground they hold on, because they're moving that, and they're going to build a load of houses on that. Um, so there's other places they're doing it, and I'm just saying, at, at the end of the meeting, he said they would try and look at anything. There is an argument, isn't there, David? And we're, we're running out of time. Well, I'm well, finding this fact. There, there, is, there is an argument that, that, that a couple of these pubs, the Suffolk Punch and a couple of those, they're a little bit rough. And there have been incidents uh, of violence and stabbing and, and broken glasses and uh, people well, having sex it, behind the pubs. It, what would you say to that? Ian, people will allege anything on a lot of different pe- uh, incidents. Maybe one incident has happened, uh, etc. In, in walks of life, um, would you say, like, Luton, the stabbings and whatever, etc. You get other areas in Luton, there's no problem. You can't categorise all pubs or a no. pub for one incident and the, the thing is with, with that is that you, you've got to try and support the community there was a packed meeting they were very unhappy there was a standing room all the um, but do those all those people that went to the meeting do they go to the pub every night or every other well, night and spend they, their they money do. my suggestion was i don't know if the, the, they can do it the parks trust will allow them to do it i said if there's anyone here who's a painter and decorator or a builder 
if we can repair whatever disrepair is in that property and improve it, you know. And did anyone say yes? Well, some of them said yes, yeah. And are they actually going to do it? Well, I don't know. It's up to... See, they own the property, don't they? Well, but if, uh, listen, if, they, if, if there are people... This, this is a cracking story. If there are people in the community that have said, yeah, do you know what, I'm, I'm a painter, I'll go and decorate it. Yeah. My mate's a builder, we'll go and put a new bar in a new room. If there are people that are prepared to do that for, for free or, or below cost, yeah. then that, that's a cracking story. Yeah, or well, I hope, they, hope that some people do do that. Well, listen, David, we will be following that and finding out if that's the case. Because if that does happen, that's wonderful. Local community gets together, uses local talent and resources to save pub. Brilliant, we'll be there, we'll Justin down. I suspect that those people maybe raise their hands in the excitement of the moment, and when they say, oh yeah, they get the phone call the next day. Yes, you said you'd uh, come and um, lay a new carpet in the pub. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I said that, but actually, I, you know, I don't know if I can. We will investigate. We will find out more. Thank you very much. That uh, David Libby from the Campaign for Real Ale in Milton Keynes. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The attorney... What on earth are you doing fiddling around in your pocket like that? I'm doing the news. <laughs> I, can't, I couldn't get my things out of my pocket. Jonathan just... <laughs> Jonathan just rushed in. I didn't look at him when I said good morning. Now, at the corner of my eye, all I can see is a man standing there with his hand in his pocket, having the right old so, rub I'm around. Sorry. I was trying to get my mobile phone out so I could turn it off, but I couldn't get it. It got lodged. You're playing pocket billiards or something, right? <laughs> Luckily, the news is not quite as heavy as perhaps it could be, so we can, we can go into this. Right, you, you ready? Yes. Thank you. Details of an overhaul of GCSEs in England will be set out today. Do- please, please don't. <laughs> I, know, I know you're part of the growing mob that wants Justin Dealey to do this slot regularly. Oh. Uh, so stuff's happening with exams. If sport, Jose Mourinho, the, he's going to stick with John Terry as Chelsea captain. Well done. Coming up, some stuff. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, listen, when, th- and there will be, by the way, dear listener, if you would like to make an official complaint to Ofcom about, <laughs> about the interruption of that news bulletin, please, please do mention Jonathan Vernon Smith's name <laughs> in that. I cannot, what? I cannot read the news. <laughs> You're lucky it was just about exams and prisoners voting and nothing really important. I cannot read the news while you are stood to my side with your hand, yeah, doing that, with your hand in your pocket, playing pocket billiards. I can't. Naughty. <laughs> we should have a step here, and, and you would stand on that naughty step right. for three minutes. And wear, <clears throat> do children still Sorry. wear dunces caps? I don't know. I think that's politically correct. Oh, listen, if a kid's a dunce, make him wear a pointy cap with a big letter D on it. That's what don't I say. Think you're allowed to do that in school anymore. Well, that's what's wrong with this country. Yes. That's what's wrong with this country. Dunces caps. Yes. And bring national service. And flogging. <laughs> flog it. Not flogging, flog it. That's what they should bring back. <laughs> flog it. Do you want to see a lovely picture? What's that? Um, it, it's, Although, it's nice to see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you prefer Dealey. <laughs> <laughs> look at that handsome young man. Look at you. You look absolutely lovely. You look like Oliver Twist in that, <laughs> I'm showing you? Jonathan Vernon Smith a picture of myself. As I'm probably about eight years old there, playing the cello. Yeah, that's right. I grew up, on a grew up on a council estate in Slough. I still played the cello. I wish I could capture the magic of that haircut. Look you at liked that. Billy Elliot, weren't you? In many, many ways. Now, the interesting thing here, going off on a tangent, I've missed you, so lots to say, is what you can't see, I've cropped her out of that picture. I was playing uh, uh, cello with a friend of mine at the time, a young girl called Fiona King. Okay, very devout Christian family, Fiona King. I promise you, this is no word of a lie, her older brother was called Wayne. 
Really? Honestly. And that's not, that's not an omission. That's a true fact. And it wasn't until about <laughs> 10, 15 years after that picture, <laughs> I said to my sister, was Fiona's brother called Wayne? <laughs> think, yeah. And it never made the connection. Really? Is, isn't that incredible? They're really strong Christian fact. Lovely people. Wonderful. Her mum was always so kind to me. Do you reckon Wayne is still alive? I'm, if he survived the bullying he no doubt faced in later <laughs> life, then yes, he is, but probably called Steve now. Really? He probably changed his name. You would, wouldn't you? Well, you would. You would. I would. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Um, uh, you notice I'm 40 now, and I'm, I'm dressing like a teenager. Congratulations. I did, uh, send you a text on your birthday. You didn't yeah, respond. Yeah, didn't, didn't send me a present. I'm wearing a band t-shirt and pumps, so I'm... <laughs> Crisis. <laughs> I bought myself a beautiful motorbike at the weekend. You didn't. And I found a really sexy 18-year-old girl. No, I haven't, of course, not no. at all. No, not at all, not at all. I still haven't opened my birthday presents. Oh. It's sad, isn't it? Isn't well, it's a bit weird, actually. Why haven't you opened your birthday presents? Well, because my, my family are away, and the thought of opening presents in an empty house over a Domino's... He's the little boy that Santa Claus forgot. What's coming up on your show today? Coming up on the big phone in this morning, we're uh, picking up on the prisoner voting story, and I'm asking on this morning's big phone, do you think it's unfair we stop prisoners voting in this country? Two prisoners convicted of murder are in the High Court today to fight for the right to vote. One of them, Peter Chester, is serving a life sentence for raping and strangling his seven-year-old niece. Under current UK law, only prisoners on remand are entitled to vote. A group of law lords are now considering whether European Union law gives convicted prisoners the right to vote in local and national elections and European parliamentary elections. Well, the question that will be debated is whether a ban on voting is incompatible with the European Convention on Human Rights. If it is then surely the ban is totally unfair. From nine this morning, your views. Do you think it's unfair we stop prisoners voting in this country? When Ian finishes, the phone lines will switch to my studio. 08459 455 555 is the number. <laughs> I've never heard... Why did you say that? I don't know. <laughs> Just jazz it up. <laughs> oh, I've missed you. Haven't is, you? Is it true that when Dee does the show, he has it in the studio in complete darkness? Well, see that light up there? Yeah. I have to redirect it on me every day because he points them away. <laughs> Sitting here in complete darkness. He's such an odd man, isn't he? Yesterday he showed me his nipple. He went, do you want me to, do you want me to do a strip tease? Oh, and then look at my nipple. Dear, what a horribly, horribly unpleasant chavvy man. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Um, 08459 455 555. I've just seen the lady who I think is going to tell me off in a little bit for having, uh, well, what she claims are dirty hands. I, I can't see anything wrong with them. Uh, but before that, we've been asking this morning, as, as Jonathan will be asking after night, should prisoners be allowed to have the vote? Earlier on, we spoke to uh, uh, Juliet Lyons from the Prison Reform Trust, who says, well, yes, they should be allowed to have the vote. Sheila's in St Albans. Good morning, Sheila. Good morning. What do you think? Well, how about if uh, we found out any of the prisoners had voted before, and unless they've voted at least in three elections beforehand, uh, they don't get the vote, you know. In other words, they've not bothered before, so why should they need to bother while they're in prison? But why... I, I, I do struggle to understand, and listen, I am kind... My card's on the table. I'm kind of a liberal lefty kind of, you know, idiot like in that respect. But I do struggle to understand why somebody who has been excluded from society 
why they should have a say in how society is run at all. Well, if we looked at it from a, another point of view, you yes. could say that their family is in society, yep. and therefore what happens to their family is important. Yep. So maybe if they're thinking in a certain way, that the way our, I don't know, family credit, they're worried about the family credit because that would affect their family because I assume if they're in prison, their family's on family credit, then uh, I suppose you would be thinking, well, I'd like to vote for those yes. people because they are going to help my family. You're arguing, if you say that if people have voted in three general elections, they should be allowed to vote, would that extend to uh, Mark Bridger, the killer of April Jones? If he'd voted in three previous elections, would he be allowed to vote? Well, if I was going to say if they voted prior to, then I would probably have to say yes in that. So, mm. in other words, I wasn't saying what they were in prison for, yeah. although personally speaking, I would like to say no. But it would be interesting to know what the other countries in the EU do, because, you know, half of them, when they go to prison, they don't even get a chance to talk to lawyers well, I, and all I, sorts of things. I believe that a lot, and I may be wrong on this, and I'm sure someone will correct me, but I believe that the, that the majority in the EU allow prisoners to vote because that's the law. I think in France and possibly Germany, um, the, the, the government can go to court to, to change that for specific people. But we'll, we will look into that. Sheila, thank you very much uh, indeed. Uh, we, we have been talking about this this morning, and uh, just joined now by Justin Dealey. Good morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Just, just to clear up one thing uh, that, that has been mentioned on the show earlier on, you haven't served any time in prison, have you? <laughs> I haven't. Okay. Uh, have you, by the way? Yeah, sorry? Have you? I would love to spend a night in prison. Would you? I would love to spend a night in pr- or a week in prison. Let's do it together. Research purposes. What do you reckon? Okay, you'd like the stations and the sky sports that would be fantastic. I, 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 seriously, I would, I would spend a week in prison to see what it's like. Anyway, you've been out and about asking people about voting in prison, haven't you? I have. I've been in Luton. Uh, one-way traffic when it comes to this talking point. I've been asking people whether prisoners deserve the right to vote, and this is what people have told me this morning. Certainly not. They've done a misdemeanour, and they've been put inside for, for a simple fact that uh, they should have done what they've done. So why should they have, have, have the right to vote? Well, they've got certain human rights, as long as they're, they're I mean, they're getting fed in, in there. But uh, as regards the outside world, no. I think it's stupid. No, definitely not. I think once you uh, go to prison, all those sort of liberties should be taken away. I don't see why they should have any say in what goes on. Um, yeah, definitely not. No, they, they're not out in society, so they shouldn't be able to. A definite no-no, though. Definite no-no. No, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. They gave up their right to vote when they broke the law. They're in prison. I mean, you seem quite angry about quite the, angry the prospect. About yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to vote. Not at all. Your mind can't be changed? No, not at all. No way. Well, I'm joined now by Peter Lilly, who is the Conservative MP for Hitchin and Hubbard. And Peter, what do you think? Should prisoners get the vote? No, I don't think they should. And uh, I think most people agree with that. There's a separate issue. Who should make the decision? I think it should be the elected representatives of the British people in Parliament, not unelected judges uh, elsewhere. This, of course, you're referring to the fact that the, the EU says that prisoners should have the vote, and you're uh, uh, against this. Is this a it's bit not of the EU? Actually, it's the European Court of Human okay. Rights. Okay. Is this kind of you sticking your heels in a little bit, though, and and uh, uh, kind of uh, getting out your peacock feathers and showing off a bit? No, I'm just responding to common sense and to the opinions of people who elect me. We spoke earlier on to Juliet Lyon from the, uh, the director of the Prison Reform Trust and she thinks that all prisoners should get the vote. If we live in a decent and humane society, then we should allow prisoners to vote. Well, she's of course entitled to her view in a, a decent and What's your reaction to her, to her view? Uh, I just think it's a bit precious. If people break the law, they can't expect to make the law. Uh, and effectively through 
our legislators. That's what we normally do. Of course, the European Court's taking away the right to make the law on this issue, even from people who don't break the law. Uh, which I was subject to. There are some people who might say that, that prisoners being allowed to vote is, is part of their rehabilitation back into society, that, that we should be encouraging them to, to feel as though they're involved in society. Well, they can uh, be encouraged to read the newspapers and have uh, learned discussions about what ought to be done, but they're in prison. They've done wrong. They're deprived of lots of freedoms. They can't go out and uh, walk about the town in the evening. Uh, and one of the things they can't do is that they can't go out and vote or exercise a postal vote. Uh, I don't think there's any serious demand from prisoners for this or really from any of those involved in prisoner rehabilitation, which is an extremely important thing. The idea that the right to vote is going to be a serious matter and that it's getting skills and jobs and having uh, homes to go to when they leave... Those are the things we ought to be focusing on, not giving them the vote. Uh, and would you extend that to, to, to all prisoners? So, so from the, the, the worst kind of murderers down to, to shoplifters, everybody in prison would be, it would be excluded from the vote? I think the logical thing to do is to say, while you're in prison, you can't vote, but you could have some minimum period uh, sentence that uh, that particular deprivation doesn't count. Are, are we, as a, as a nation, breaking the law by having, having that? I don't think we are. I think Parliament has the right to override decisions of the European Court. It's just been averse to exercising it, and I think we ought to exercise that right. There was a, there was a slight hesitation in your voice. You say you don't think we're breaking the law. Is there a, a little uncertainty about yes, it? Yes, a little uncertainty. Right. I'm not certain of everything in life. No, of course. OK. Uh, Peter, I, I appreciate your time this morning. It's Peter Lilly, uh, Conservative MP for Hitchin and Harperton. He thinks that all prisoners should be excluded from having the vote. Well, what do you think? 08459 455 555. We did hear from um, Juliet Lyon earlier on, the uh, uh, director of the Prison Reform Trust, who thinks that, no, all pr- complete opposite view. All prisoners should have the vote, even the nastiest child killers and whatever. Everyone should have the vote. Well, you can give me a call now, 08459 455 555. JVS will be talking about it after nine. Match latest news and sport, and uh, I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. That's what you think. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Me no speak English. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm back and I'm here and uh, I will be here uh, every weekday morning uh, from now on till six uh, six till nine o'clock. Is that what the hours are? Something like that. Thereabouts. I'll turn up and I'll be ready to go whenever they want me. Uh, JVS will be on at nine. Before that, more about prison voting, more about uh, dirty hands as well. I've, I've been... I don't wash my hands after I go to the loo. It's pointless. Uh, my hands, a couple of hours ago, were daubed in this magic dust that uh, is going to be examined by a health expert a bit later on in the show. And she'll be able to tell me just how dirty they are. I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Now, should prisoners be able to vote? Well, that topic is under de- debate today. As our government say no, Europe says yes. Attorney General for England and Wales and MP for Beaconsfield, Dominic Grieve, is to testify later in the UK Supreme Court that Parliament, rather than Europe, should decide whether prisoners here can vote. It'll be the first time an Attorney General has appeared in the court since it was established in 2009. EU law says prisoners have the right to vote in at least European parliamentary elections in the UK and UK elections and that the Prime Minister cannot go against EU law. 
well, earlier on in the show, I spoke to Juliet Lyon, who is director of the Prison Reform Trust and think prisoners should get the vote, even those responsible for appalling crimes like Ian Huntley and Mark Bridger. Certainly not. Oh, I, I, I keep putting it on the wrong button. Here we go. Yes, actually. And it, it, do you know Why? what you're saying? If you think about it, you've got a prison um, in your area. You know, think about the prison staff who work there. Yeah. Think about the way in which they're required to treat people with humanity and respect. The punishment is imprisonment and loss of his liberty, and that is what he's serving. And prison staff have to look after him with dignity and respect. Right. And this is probably why prison governors, um, probably why bishops to prisons, probably by inspectors of prisons, all think that as an ordinary part of life in prison, and for most people, not everybody, but only 40 people will never leave prison, for most people it's an ordinary part of their resettlement, and it's about a duty, and it's about a responsibility. Well, listening to that is John in Watford, who's been in and out of prison for his whole life. Morning, John. Morning. John, when was the last time you were in prison? Oh, 20... Could have been nearly 30 years now. And can I ask, what were you in prison for? Um, mainly burglary, but not house burglary. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Should, should prisoners have the vote? No, they shouldn't have the vote. Why not? That's being honest. They, they, all they want to vote about is if the sentence was being reduced, then they want to vote. Other than that, I wouldn't want to vote, vote at all. That's the point. But what about, so th- th- there may be some uh, prisoners who are, who are perhaps slightly more politically minded than you were at the time, who do want to have a say in how the country is run. Should, shouldn't they have that right? No, you, you, you don't have rights. As a prisoner, you don't have rights. That's the way I look at it. The punishment today, believe me, is a lot easier. Then, the time when I was in prison then, it was a lot harder then, yeah, you probably want you to vote then, but no, no. You heard, uh, I don't know if you just heard Juliet Lyon from the Prison Reform Trust, who, who basic uh, argument is, if we are a decent and caring and humane society, which I think we are, pretty much, yeah, we are. then we should allow prisoners to vote, even, even those who've committed the most heinous crimes. No, definitely not. That's, that's, that's just a definite no. As I say, if they say there's a vote, say, where they reduce the sentence by a third again... Who do you think will vote most of the prisoners? They really want to vote. Is it not part of the rehabilitation process, John? I, I, I would imagine that some prisoners feel excluded from society. Maybe that's why they committed their crimes. Would this not allow them to, to, to take on a, a social no. responsibility? No, there's no rehabilitation in there. Believe you me, there's no rehabilitation. I've spoke to people just lately, if you like. They don't care. They're not bothered. They've done their time. They've came out. When they're in there, from what I hear now, it's like a holiday camp. You know, it's absolutely... I just can't believe what I'm hearing some of the things they've got now and what they're allowed to do. Well, what, what kind of things have they got? Time, you'd learn a lesson. But today, they won't learn a lesson. Believe you me. John, listen, I appreciate your time. That's Johnny Watford, who uh, has been in prison. He's been out of prison for a long time. What do you think? Should prisoners have the votes? 08459 455 555. Uh, you can give us a call on that. JVS will be talking about that after nine o'clock as well, so you can give him a call. Now, a new website which ranks areas of England according to premature death rates has identified that people in Luton have a greater chance of dying early. The town has come 108th out of 150 authorities for having the worst early death rate uh, in England. The figures have been published by Public Health England, which uses a traffic light system to show the number of people dying under the age of 75. They made a serious thing fun.
But the local government association says the table is a dangerous oversimplification, ignoring factors like deprivation. Well, Professor John Newton is from Public Health England and joins me now. Uh, good morning, Professor. It's good morning. The, the government, local government association say the table is a dangerous oversimplification and you are ignoring facts like deprivation. I think what they say actually is that it could be a dangerous uh, oversimplification. The, the data are the data. Um, we've been measuring mortality for many years in this country, and our website presents them in, a, as you say, a very accessible way. Uh, we don't make any... Uh, it's not our opinion that these are, these are the data. Um, what we're hoping is that local authorities who've inherited a new responsibility for health in their area will find these data helpful in terms of understanding where they are now, and more importantly, what we all want is to understand what could be done to improve health, particularly in those areas which are not doing as well. What, what could be done? Well, there are a whole range of things, and in fact, uh, we do, do a lot of councils are already engaged with the NHS uh, and have been for a number of years, so partly it's building on, on experience. We need to address people's behaviours, we need to help people uh, stop smoking, um, drink sensibly, sorts of things that perhaps listeners are familiar with. But we also need to look beyond uh, our individual responsibilities to the underlying drivers. You know, why do some of these communities have such poor outcomes? It's to do with our, the culture, the economic, social context, and also the straightforward physical environment. So good quality housing, access to decent transport, open spaces and so on. All these things make a difference. And isn't councils it, are well-placed to affect them. Isn't it down to finance? But th th it's the poorer areas, isn't it, that, that do worse in this survey? The, there's a big effect. Social and economic deprivation has a huge effect on health outcomes. But that's why we've presented data for similar areas together. Um, so we've grouped councils into ten groups. So you can compare Rotherham, that does much better than Manchester, Sheffield's doing much better than Wigan. We have to ask why. And it's not, that's not just about deprivation, because these are similar areas. Uh, Professor John Newton from Public Health England, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. The backlash... Not the flashback, the backlash begins from you, dear listener. I, I thought it was too, too good to last. Listen, I don't wash my hands after I go to the loo. Deal with it. I suspect that most of you don't either. OK? If you're honest, most, we spoke to a milkman who doesn't wash his hands, and then when he realised his job may be in jeopardy... It, oh, no, actually, no, no, I, no, I do. I remember now, I do. Got some texts. Evan Luton says, when you go to the toilet and wash your hands and then dry them, how do you get out of the toilets? You grip the dirty door handle. Correct. Sharon says, Ian, dirty, dirty, dirty boy. Oh, I like you, Sharon. You must, oh, you must wash your hands after going to the toilets. How horrible for your colleagues having to touch things that you have touched. You say horrible for me. Justin Delia has just made us all a cup of tea. It's a, it, it must be, uh, th th something's happening. It's a rarity. I noticed that producer Tara just pulled off, well, Tara, what was it you, you, you pulled off of that, that cup there? What did you, what did you remove? Um, it, well, <laughs> he's probably listening and obviously he did a marvellous thing by doing a round of drinks for us, but there was yes. a hair in it. There was a hair in your cup of tea. Yes, and it was actually dangling below the surface of the liquid. Are you going to drink that tea? No. There we go, you see? And he claims to wash his hands! Rapid Stew has texted in. I saw your picture on a bus. Yeah, I've got my pictures on the bus. I'm living the dream. It's okay, but why are you picking your nose? I hope you wash your hands after. I'm not picking my nose. I'm looking thoughtful. In that, thank you very much. 
Sue and Luton has emailed in. Ian, you can't see... Uh, oh, for goodness sake. Staphylococcus bacteria. Yeah. But it can make you very ill if passed on. You can't see Cambylobacter, Salmonella, Shigella. Shigella? That's a, she was a singer, wasn't she? She died in an aeroplane crash. Uh, an E. coli. But passed on by unwashed hands, they cause diarrhoea disgusting. I started washing hands as a kid when I saw a scientist put his hands on germs, then on top of ten sheets of loo roll, which covered uh, a dish. The dish grew those germs. Oh. Come on. What, what, what has science got to do with it? Another test was to shake hands with ten people. The ten per- tenth person placed their hands, and it grew as well. Oh, for goodness sake. Sue. John's in Milton Keynes. John, good morning. Oh, uh, sorry, I was, was going to say afternoon, Ian. Good morning, Ian. D- don't say afternoon, John. That's insane talk. It's the morning. That's why we're wishing the time away, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's not wish the time away. Now, listen, you don't want... You, you sound like a sensible man. Uh, a slightly dirty man. You don't wash your hands after going to the loo, do you? Well, I, I'm a slightly di- di- dirty man because where, when I'm in someone's house or in my house, I'll always wash my hands, make a point every time to give my hands a good old scrub. But if I'm in my garden doing something dirty outside, like building work, whatever it is, or laying plants... I'll pee in my garden over my plants, which is probably good for my plants anyway. Uh-huh. I won't bother wa- washing my hands. You pee on your plants? I might do, yeah. And yet you it claim might. to be a, a, a decent human being. That's more, that's more <laughs> disgusting than me doing a number one or a number two and not washing my hands in a toilet. Well, you know what? Also, I'll tell you what, sir, me, and, um, I used to play golf many years ago, and yeah. um, I remember um, on the golf course, men can easily go for a pee, and I never wash their hands. Hang on a second. Yeah. This, is, this is a secret world I've never heard of. I've, I'm not particularly au fait with golf. Well, so you're saying that, that one of the things that men do is they go for a wee on the golf course? On the golf course, in the bushes, it's the sort of thing a lady can't do for obvious reasons. They go into the bushes, have a pee, and on the 18th, um, on the 18th green, after a round of golf had finished, one of the players who'd just done that wanted to shake everyone's hand and i said sorry i can't shake your hand because you, you didn't wash your hands after a pee so um that's kind of kind of an accepted thing between um, right. um so the regular players. golf golf etiquette is you don't shake hands on the golf course because you've all urinated in the bushes well it's my etiquette it's my etiquette because if i know someone's gone for a pee um or if i've gone for a pee in the bushes i'll warn everyone i say look i've gone for a pee do you want to shake my hand or not it's up to you well, you give them the option. That's that's nice of you. Isn't it good to see that some people say that BBC Three Counties Radio has dumbed down since I joined, and I I think I can quite disprove that. Now, listen. Let's be honest, okay? And and most of you, you you've kind of you've you've been a little bit dodgy with me when you go to the toilet, particularly gentlemen, but ladies as well. You don't wash your hands, do you? Of course you don't. There's no need. I do not urinate on my hands, and my penis is clean. It, it is. It is. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about and asking gentlemen whether or not they wash their hands after they've used the loo. No, not every time. Most of the time, yes, but I have to say there are occasions when I do not. Why don't you wash your hands? Because I'm a great believer in my body will function and combat all the things that I'm putting in me. I haven't got time to be washing my hands. I'm not a freeloader like you. I'm working for a living. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, most times, yeah. Most times? Well, 90%. Well, listen, and most of those men to speak. I, I love that that really posh guy. Well, sometimes. Uh, well, apparently, it's, it, not everyone agrees with uh, my attitude. And Dr Lisa Ackley is from Hygiene Audit Systems in St Albans. You're joining me in the studio now. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Are you a proper doctor? I, I really object to that, you know. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing you. I'm a PhD. You. No, exactly, thank you. And you're, you're wearing a white coat as well. Absolutely. Now, what, what, what's your attitude to people who don't wash their hands after going to the loo? Well, I think they're very selfish, actually, because right. they don't know what they're carrying. A lot of people can be shedding all sorts of nasty things, yep. bacteria and viruses, without actually having any symptoms themselves. Okay. So you could be passing those on to other people. 
But my 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 hands are my hands are clean. I I, I don't wee on them. There's nothing particularly. To, I mean, as, and I said to you, I said on the air earlier. I've, I've been visiting someone in hospital this week. I clean my hands in the hospital, of course, mainly because the nurses are quite strict there, and they would tell me off otherwise. But if I'm at home, hanging out with the kids, watching TV, I don't need to to do it there, do I? Well, the thing is, it's a really easy thing to do. It's one of the biggest public health measures just to wash your hands, particularly mm. after going to the toilet. Um, and what's surprising is, I, mean, I know you had a milkman on earlier and we yep. sort of got in a bit of a tangle about hand washing, but 39% of caterers don't wash their hands after going to the toilet. They've actually admitted that. Now, would you want to go into a restaurant and actually pick up some, basically someone's fecal? I'm just going to press one button. Bear with me a second. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie Soleria, is your box causing feedback on the radio? It might be. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Take your box out of the studio immediately, for goodness sakes. Uh, now, listen, Doctor, you, we did a little test earlier on. I was given some, some strange powder to put on my hands. What was that powder for? Right, this is our germ simulation kit. So, oh. basically, we're putting powder on your hands to yes. simulate the germs. So, let's imagine that you've been to the loo, yep. you're covered in germs, yep. that's the powder on your hands. Okay. Now, we're, now, we're going to... And you didn't wash your hands. Okay. So, we're now going to see where those hands have been, because, basically, your hands are the M25 of oh. the bacterial world. Okay, so Sophie, you, you, you've been out with the, the good doctor, haven't you? I have, After yes. I've, I've, I've had this powder on my hands, I've done the show, I kind of don't move yeah. about too much, but I have strolled around the building slightly. What were you doing with, with the doctor? Essentially, what we were doing, were we, we were checking with the doctor's torch, here. I see, yes. To see where you've been. Yeah. So we've been following your tracks. And I think, uh, Dr. Lisa, if you could have a little look around mm. Ian's table now to okay. see exactly where he's been well, this exciting. morning. So it's, what this is, an ultraviolet light. There we go. Yeah. So Lovely. if you go round there, Lisa. Come, come round, come round. Don't take your headphones off. Don't worry about the headphones. You, you make yourself comfortable. Let's have a little look. Okay. So this is at the desk. This is where I've been all morning. All right, let's have a look. Oh, look at your hands. So you it, see? Okay, this yeah. what the powder's doing. Yes. Right. So that's stimulated bacteria. There's in. powder on my knob. Yeah, I've been touching. <laughs> I've, I've been touching that. That's the fader for for Justin. Right. What else have you been touching? Let's have a look. See. Oh. It's quite light in here. Yeah. Actually. Oh, it don't don't give me the. It's quite light. I've got cl- I've got clean get... hands. I think we should have a little look outside. I think the reason there's not so much powder on your hands yes. is because you put put your powder all over the rest. of Have the I deposited it elsewhere? Well, I think you may well have done. Yeah. Okay. Sophie, what, what, what have you got for us? Well, I'm thinking that we should go and have a little yes. look. If my machinery works, yep. my equipment, we could have a little look to see where you've been. Can okay. take a little look? You go, you go and have a little look outside. You're okay. You're going to do a little roving report. Lisa, Lies. put your, um, put your headset on okay. and see if we can uh, find Ian. Okay, off you go. Okay. I think they'll be disappointed. I think I've done quite well so far. I think I've done quite well. Let's, uh... What's this? This is very oh, mobile, isn't it? Here we go. Oh, this is, uh, this is working. Right. Off you go. Go on. At the moment, we can hear some kind of, um, other radio station. Oh, yes. We're just going to do a little check. I think they're listening to Heart. So, Lisa, if we head out here... Well, we could, they've gone out. What they don't know is that we uh, we can't hear them. Well, that that uh, exercise worked perfectly well, didn't it? Which was fantastic. I think. <laughs> well, I think Mark Forrest might be running this one tonight. Uh, I think what they're going to say is that they have that they're going to go outside around the building. They can see where I've left a deposit, a deposit from the hands, of course. And they've been uh, I've been touching bits and pieces. The implication being that uh, I am leaving germs all over the building, which I don't think is the case. Uh, uh, at all. You've been very coy, dear listener, in admitting that you do the same thing. And I suspect that most of you do do the same thing. 
Come back and join us because that that little technical thing didn't work in the slightest. Which it, it was never it was never going to. Let's be honest. What what could possibly go wrong when technicals are brought into? But Lisa, you, you did have a look around earlier on. What did you I see? Have, what yes. did you notice? Well, I think you've been to the toilet. You've been to the disabled toilet because oh. there's a paw print on there. Oh. Okay. Now, what's a bit worrying? Yep. Is there's no powder on the taps? I didn't clean my hands. No, obviously no. not. No. But then we've also found quite a lot of powder on the handrail. Yes. So that means that somebody else touching that would yeah. effectively be taking the powder off. Okay, and, and it the somewhere. powder are germs, is what well, you're saying. Well, that's what we're simulating. Okay, yeah. yes. So yeah. basically, yeah. by not actually washing your hands, yes. you could be spreading the bacteria all around the place, and then someone else could be coming and picking it up. So I may have given bacteria to, to a disabled somebody, person or someone using that toilet. Else. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And that's a bad thing? <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we'd hope that you're not carrying anything yes, no. nasty, but you might be, and you be. might not know about it. So, okay. uh, I mean, for example, three million people suffer from norovirus in the UK every yep. year. Yep. And a lot of people, 16%, 16 to 30%, may be shedding it without knowing. So they could go to the loo... Not wash their hands, put it on the on the handrail. It's infective in very low doses, so that means it could be spread really easily. I'll never eat nuts in a bar from from a table. You're never supposed to do it. If there's a bowl of nuts on a bar, you're not supposed to eat them, are they? Are you? Because it, well, not if you've been there first, because you won't <laughs> have washed your hands after going to the loo and put your hands in that bowl of nuts. JV, That's horrible. JVS said you were very nice. <laughs> you're a very rude young lady. <laughs> so what? Okay, uh, uh, but also there's another thing. People, and I know this because I am I, I, I am kind of open-minded. People don't wash their hands properly, do they? When no, they've been to the loo, no, they no. just run it under the tap, do a little bit of that. And of course, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go in between all of the fingers and up and down the fingers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so people don't most people don't do that do no they? no and then you know we, we see awful examples on the television for example some of the top sh- top, top chefs for example Oops, on saturday steady, morning yep. kitchen yes you know that they, they just rinse their hands under the taps yeah. and then i saw somebody wipe their hands on their trousers rather than rather than use a towel it's not very good practice so what, what what would your advice be you've been a very good sport this morning i appreciate you coming in what what would your advice be for me and for example the meltman that we heard earlier on well i think always wash your hands if yep. you are able to and if you can't for example the milkman on his on his rounds might not have a wash basin uh, he's doing the right thing using an antibacterial wipe or yep. some, some gel but best of all just wash your hands it doesn't take very long and it could actually save your life or somebody else's okay well, it's nice to meet you do you want to shake hands <laughs> no oh, <laughs> you did it go and wash your hands uh, dr lisa rackley from hygiene audit systems very nice to meet you indeed thank you very much i think i got it quite lively there well there you go that's it don't forget if you want to uh, go to itunes or the bbc podcast website you can download a weekly podcast of this show i've heard last week and Catherine Boyle was very rude about me. Back tomorrow at six. JBS is up next. Ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.